0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chan, and with me are...
1: Devendra Hardwar...
0: And Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show today on the podcast. Uh, We got a couple emails and follow-ups. We're going to follow that up with some what we've been watching and then move on into an in-depth review. This week, we'll be reviewing The Lost Boys with director Dan Trachtenberg. Uh, And The Lost Boys is part of our new series of film reviews that we're doing uh, older yeah. movies that uh, are either on our list of shame that we have not seen uh, and that we therefore want to use this podcast as, a, as an opportunity to watch those movies or movies we just really love that we want to force the other co-hosts to watch, right? So The Lost Boys is Jeff's movie. He has never seen The Lost Boys. He's like, let's all use this opportunity to watch The Lost Boys um, and invite on an old uh, podcasting friend well, it, to join it, us The, the truth
2: is when we were talking about all of this as what we were might be doing as a way forward for the podcast, I texted Dan and was like, "Dan, I know you have a list of movies for me that I haven't seen that you have been." And he's like, "The Lost Boys, The Lost Boys." <laughs> I was like, "All oh, right, I forgot." Great, I just great. Dan, impression by the way. he sounds exactly s- like that. He sounds yeah. Exactly like yeah. That. Yeah. yeah, I've been working on that impression yeah. for a while.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, so, couple of announcements slash follow ups that uh, I want to discuss before we get to what we've been watching today. Uh, first of all, about a week ago, uh, or a couple weeks ago, I should say, we had on writer-director, e- Emmy Award-winning writer-director Alan Yang on mm-hmm. this podcast to review a movie called Demolition Man. Uh, and Demolition Man is a movie that is very fun. stars Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes. Uh, and even though it didn't do super well in its r- initial release, it was a very beloved movie. Uh, and proving yet again that the Slash film cast has captured the zeitgeist and, and is a great predictor of the zeitgeist, I would argue. Uh, we learned that a, a Demolition Man sequel is in the works o- almost immediately after yeah. that podcast went out. Probably
1: Coincidence? Like...
0: I think not. You're welcome, not.
1: world. You're welcome.
0: I mean, also, like, Demolition uh... Man, I should point out, is also on Hulu right now. So it hit Hulu, <laughs> and then the sequel was announced.
2: Yeah, we should also uh, mention that the way that the sequel was announced is that Sylvester Stallone recorded a video on his phone, <laughs> as if pressured by the overwhelming demand created by the Slash Film cast.
0: Right. It wasn't like a like a press release went out or anything
2: like this that. This wasn't a a planned event. This was a man who is going about his life, <laughs> and all of a sudden, the overwhelming attention, the the white hot spotlight of the Slash Film cast was. Pointed at one of his old movies, and he felt it essential, nay, required to comment. Just saying, we have we have a lot of power, fellas. We have a lot of power.
0: Well, on that note, uh, it appears that an extraction sequel is also in the works.
2: Probably. Yeah, you're welcome, everyone. Yeah. So that's Mm -hmm. another
0: thing that. So um, get ready for those
2: Lost Boys sequels. Oh wait, they were already made. (laughs) QED. I rest my case.
0: Uh, Any opinion on what the uh, extraction sequel should be called? By the way, because I've seen a lot of people use the phrase "next traction,"
2: which it's kind of you can't beat that. Really, you think so? Next traction.
0: Next traction. It, not, it's next. not next traction, Jeff. It's it's, it's going to be a subtitle. It's going to be extraction.
1: Port, yeah. New York City Rundown, something. I don't
2: know. could well, be I another extraction somewhere else. What I'm hoping for, <laughs> because I heard this was a possibility, yeah. I'm hoping that it is a prequel. So, next traction would not be appropriate. It could be pre or <laughs> distraction. I don't know. It, wow. it
0: really uh, bothers me that you are saying it as next straction. Yeah, because it's it's a portmanteau. Because when you
2: say it it sounds like somebody is stretching their neck. <laughs> <laughs> or their neck is
0: in traction. I I don't know. We can all agree all these ideas are bad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think so Demolition Man I, sequel and Extraction sequel potentially on the way. Who knows? If I th- a, don't
2: you guys think a prequel is a better idea? Like, find out You wh- really want to have your interpretation
1: of the ending be true, I Jeff. I, so don't, true. I <laughs> don't know <laughs> if that's I really the do. case. Sorry. He's dead.
0: Who He's is dead. he going to extract prequel. next is my question. That's, that is what I wanted to know <laughs> at the end of Extraction. Who, previ- Who, Who is going to be extracted next?
2: Who did he previously extract, David?
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: We got what this, was his training regimen for the Extraction?
0: We got this email from Aiden from Lincoln, Nebraska, who writes into slashfilmcast.gmail.com. Hey there. It was great hearing about We Make This Look Good and The Worst Idea of All Time podcasts on this recent episode. As a listener to The Worst Idea of All Time since 2015, uh, so let's pause for for a moment. The Worst Idea of All Time is uh, a podcast uh, in which the co-host watched uh, Grown Ups 2 every single week. Yeah, until, quote unquote, it became worthwhile. Aiden writes in, as a listener to the worst idea of all time since 2015, I can say that the wild premise is a way to draw people in. But the true magic of a show like that is hearing the hosts grow in their abilities to approach the material in new ways, find new things to say about the, movies, uh, uh, the movie and, and generally become better friends. The Worst Idea of All Time has done four main seasons, and there's a particular magic to that first season with Grown Ups 2, leading up to some truly ridiculous final episodes. They're currently running a miniseries where they watch Home Alone 3 a few times per week for the remainder of the quarantine, and recently saw cats seven days in a row. Above all else, it's about the hosts and their ability to entertain. Imposing limitations forces them to be reactive, if even for their own sanity. It's a fun format, especially when you can binge listen to hear how things change over time. That email comes from Aiden from Lincoln in Nebraska. Uh, I think defending the honor of Worst Idea of All Time from Jeff Kanata, who was... Yeah, a- no, I, <laughs>
2: I I respect that. I respect that. And I certainly wouldn't want to cast aspersions on uh, a fine podcast and fine folks who create it. I know it is difficult to make podcasts, but um, I just... I, I feel like you can achieve the same goals and not have to uh, torture yourselves by... Or, Drive yourself mad. This descent into madness idea (laughs) of the podcast is to me. I just I'm still baffled by. But you know, teach his own, and and I'm I'm sure it's very fun to listen to. And I I have my indictment is not for the people who choose to listen to it. I can totally understand the entertainment value. My indictment is the people who choose to do that to themselves. Right. (laughs) I don't. I don't. uh, I don't understand why you would want to.
0: I do think it's this idea of. Uh, like imposing a limitation right this it, it reminds me of that
2: mm-hmm.
0: this this is movie i saw a long time ago that like apparently no one else in that i know has seen but it's an amazing film it's from 2003 it's called the five obstructions uh, and it's directed by jorgen leth and lars von trier and essentially lars von trier meets up with jorgen leth who's an experimental filmmaker And uh, Jorgen Lev made a movie called The Perfect Human in 1967. And Lars von Trier says, I want you to remake this movie, but I'm going to impose five separate obstructions. So for instance, obstruction number one is you must remake the movie and no shot lasts longer than like 12 frames, right? And so he needs to redo the movie with no shot lasting longer than 12 frames. And then the next, and then he makes a movie and he like, makes remakes the movie and uses that obstruction. Then the next one, you know, he'll say something else that's and so on. And it was just such a fascinating exploration of filmmaking. I wish more people have watched this movie, but it, anyway, it, it it does it really helped hammer home the idea to me of sometimes introducing an obstruction is something that can create a lot of creativity uh, or ingenuity. <laughs> Uh, because you need to act within certain constraints. I I could not
2: agree more. I, I am a big proponent. The way I've always described it is um, a picture needs a frame. It, it, and oftentimes you find these filmmakers in particular, artists in general, but filmmakers in particular who reach a certain status level and have complete freedom. And Almost always that results in work that is less focused and not as good, yep. frankly. And I, th- I think th- having framing mechanisms, having limitations almost always improves a thing. And the creativity is um, is increased and in, in, in required to work your way around the things that you're not able to do. And I mm-hmm. so I, I agree 100% with that. Not exactly sure that's what's exactly happening here, but okay, I, I,
0: it, I'll it's buy. It's basically it. imagine making a weekly movie podcast, but you had to watch the same movie every week, and it's a terrible movie. You know, what if what if How, you
2: made a weekly movie podcast, but there are no movie theaters open? Yeah, there's an interesting dilemma. What do you do?
0: I have been really uh, interested to read all this stuff about <laughs> what's happening with movie theaters, right? Uh, and and you guys may have seen this, but uh, Tenet is is theoretically going to be uh, a movie that is going to be the first one to reopen movie theaters. Good God! Uh, which is going to come out in July. Yeah. yeah.
2: What a thing! What a thing! When you're Christopher Nolan and you've doubled down on movies need to be seen in theaters. <laughs> yeah. What a, like his whole his whole worldview is IMAX theater experience, and then all of a sudden there's just like.
0: Nope, no more theaters, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) So Tenet is currently scheduled to open in in July, July 27th. I'm sorry, July 17th right now. I, I apologize. And I've seen some chatter online. Like It's very easy to see a headline that says something like, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan is like single-handedly driving, uh, you know, the opening of movie theaters on July seventeenth. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's easy to assume he's a he's a villain because he like all he cares about is making a lot of money. I don't actually believe that to be true. I, has I, I he think like has
1: he spoken on it or is it just hey it's still scheduled? And... Pe-
0: people have commented on his on like working with him. I don't know that he's publicly right. said anything about it. Okay, um, but what? I I think is the case is that here's what's undeniable. He believes in the theatrical experience and he wants to do what he can to, to save theaters because it's very possible that if theaters don't have a huge opening, like we are going to be looking at a much different theatrical landscape when theaters do reopen um, uh, than we had before. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think people really fully understand the, magnitude of how different it's going to be. Um, and Tenet is one thing that can theoretically drive people back into movie theaters. You know, yeah. th- this is a, he, Christopher Nolan's one of the few people that can open a movie on his name al- alone. Um, so until I learn more, my assumption is going to be that Christopher Nolan believes in the theatrical experience and he wants to preserve it. Um, and sure. that's, you could still have that. Okay. Totally. And that well, that's that's why he wants to uh reopen movie theaters with Tenet is because or just delay it like every every other movie. Like to me, first of all, it's well, not the, the it's, argument yeah. is financially like delaying yeah. it further will be catastrophic, I think. Like uh, for, whole system for the system. For the system. Whole system the whole si- I think movie theaters are already in a very bad financial situation. Sure. That, sure. Like delaying it even further than July yeah. um, is gonna be bad. Now I you know I, I am not at all commenting on whether you should go see Tenet or not. I'm just simply trying to kind of uh, trying to see into the mind of Christopher Nolan. He believes in theatrical experience. He wants to do what mm-hmm. he can to save it. Um, I, I am not at all commenting whether that is the right decision for you as a moviegoer to go see it. Right. I don't know if I would go see Tenet if it came no. on July 17th. I,
1: I, w- I wouldn't recommend anybody go by July, like especially here where we have nothing. We have no solutions in sight. We don't have more testing. We don't have, you know, people behaving responsibly. I can't trust theater goers. Like as much as oh man like uh, delay it delay it seems like the only option even though it could mean bad things for a lot of theaters because otherwise yeah you're putting people's lives at risk people will die to go see this movie i'm not sure that's what christopher nolan wants and we don't want theaters to be known for that this is a right. microcosm of the whole like opening up for economic recovery idea
0: and it's like who are you really helping here it's, true. I, it's I don't true. know the idea it's true. Of like s- are you willing to risk your life to go see a movie and but here's the thing though I think a lot of people would be willing to do that, um, and th- does that mean that we should not allow them to? You yeah. know, it, I, I, I will I mean, not. It's a weird. It's a yeah. weird.
2: It's a weird thing to, like, we risk our lives to go see the movies every time we go to a movie. We we sure. I get in a car sure. and I get on the freeway every time I go to the movie. I'm, I'm not saying it's the same level of risk, <laughs> but I think it's a weird. It's a weird. It's a weird phrase to be saying. I I, I agree that it is a new paradigm.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's the whole and point. I am, yeah.
2: I am also reminded as somebody who worked in a movie theater my entire high school life. The thing you do as a movie theater employee is you grab this little tin thing with your bare hand, you stick it in a giant pile of popcorn, and you lift that popcorn and you put it in buckets, mm-hmm. and then people eat that popcorn. Yeah. That is a wild thing that I've literally never thought about before. (laughs) That my bare hand stuck into the giant popcorn machine, filled popcorn, and people then ate that popcorn. It just just boggles my mind that I've just – I've never thought about that as being a – an atrocious act. Well to, <laughs> to
0: be fair to be fair, I, I, I want to be very careful. Um like, there is no evidence that uh, coronavirus spreads through foodborne, you know, contamination in any way. At, at no, no, point.
2: I'm not talking about coronavirus. I'm talking about when I was in high school. <laughs> I'm talking about the idea that I just look at things differently now. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. I think we all yeah. we all watched that movie Contagion whatever year that came out and we all thought about that for like you know, two days after we saw it and then conveniently forgot again. But I'm I'm I my mind is thinking about these things in a more permanent way than ever before. And I'm and I'm re-litigating all of these moments in my head of like, mm-hmm. I just thought it was okay that someone's grubby ass hands went in the popcorn machine, including my own. Uh I didn't wash my hands every 15 <laughs> minutes when I was working <laughs> at the movie theater. Are you joking? I went in and cleaned movie theaters and then came back out and it's like, it's anyway. Uh, please go
1: on, Jeff. Are you saying you cleaned bathrooms and then went back out and served popcorn? Well, I would wash my
2: hands <laughs> after going to the bathroom. Or, entering or cleaning bathroom. the bathroom. I would, mm. I would go in and clean the movie. I would pick up a broom that some 14 other <laughs> employees picked up and I would sweep the popcorn off the floor and then I would go back out and work in behind yeah. the counter and and handle money and then go into the, it's like, it's insane. It's insane.
0: Yeah. Um I, I just want to clarify before we move on that you know I I am not taking a position on tenant specifically um but I, I do think that as goes tenant so goes the movie yeah. industry at least for Q3 you know like This with is that, so yeah, it, yeah. we're going to see you, it's going to have long reaching yourself, implications what happens to tenant I think so Sorry
2: <laughs> uh, can you can you imagine yourself sitting in a watching a 2 hour plus movie with a mask on in in a theater that has only you know a third of the seats filled with people because there's space yeah. seats and all. I mean, that's. I feel like that's the world, right? That's yeah, I, the can't, situation.
1: I can't imagine doing that, but it's still, it's so irresponsible. It's so like, I've been thinking about the idea, you know, the, the great filter idea, you know, <laughs> yeah, for cosmic yeah. civilizations and things that stop Verifying. civilizations from happening. It's just like, no, it's really what it is. It's, you know, a series of filters for every civilization. Right now, like we, all we need to do because there is no help in sight thanks to our government is act responsibly and we cannot even do that and now it's like yeah now some people want to reopen uh, certain businesses um and yeah the movie industry really wants this one thing to succeed uh i t- when is it worth it i don't know it's going to be yeah, terrifying have you
2: seen that one video where it's all a hoax you guys
1: is that one video yeah yeah
2: <laughs>
1: everything so- is so stupid
0: yeah yeah, uh, it, it it does seem really sad, and and I think what's sad about it to me, Divindra, is that it's a cultural thing. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like a scientific. It's not like we as a species have not figured out scientifically how to solve this. Because yeah, um, with social distancing, with economic stimulus, other countries have shown the way on how to do this. But just like with guns, uh, it's like even even though other countries have demonstrated, you can avoid. A lot of suicides and mass casualty incidents uh, by some pretty logical gun laws. Not saying no one can own a gun, just like saying, like, let's introduce some uh, decent legislation here. Um, Similarly, we've seen other countries have been able to manage coronavirus way better than us. And um, because of uh, our, quote unquote, democracy, because of the culture of rugged individualism that we have, uh, and that like only my needs are the most important. Um, we mm-hmm. are. In and also
1: other people are way. getting hurt, therefore, and those people matter less to me. So yeah. 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 Gotta love
0: America. Yeah. So that's kind of what's going on. Um, but Tenet, Tenet we'll looks see- real good. You guys, I'm excited <laughs> for Tenet. <laughs> we'll see if Tenet is ever released in theaters. Um, but I, I, I do think it's going to be a bellwether. And
2: uh, yeah,
1: I, I and I'm think it's going to be like that, uh, that Simpsons episode where like Bart couldn't see a movie in the theater. Right. And it wasn't until he was, what, what was he like a Supreme court justice. He went to go see the movie with Homer like 30 years later. That's going to be us with 10. Cats
2: in the cradle in the sea. <laughs> Have you guys, I want to ask a, a, a legitimate, although uh, comparatively unimportant question. Uh, and that is if in some strange universe in some strange uh, uh, future moment, the, they actually make the decision that Tenet was not coming out in theaters, but will be video on demand. Do you watch Tenet for the first time on your oh, television yes. at home? Yeah. Hell yes. I'm not like, I'm supposed to, what, though. What's the alternative? Wait for the theater. Waiting basically. for some way to watch it on IMAX, which is the way I would prefer to watch it. This is, is going to be the
1: ultimate test of your uh, <laughs> stamina,
2: Jeff. Right. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I could feel be, like
0: that could be the, years away. What you're describing, right? I feel yeah. like the yeah.
2: first way that I want to see that movie is in IMAX. I, I yeah, in yeah. an IMAX movie. I don't in an don't IMAX have theater with to... tiny
1: seats with too many people around me. Like as God intended, yeah. that is how it should be. But but you guys are you yeah. guys are
2: willing to forego that experience just just to to save my thing? life? Yes. No, no, Jeff. no, no. no, no. <laughs> that, that's not the yes. question I'm asking. I'm trying to create a question that has nothing to do with the it is like i said a comparatively unimportant
1: well the, the choice is because of the danger of going of going to the theater no i understand like, that's I'm, not, I'm not yeah. i'm not
2: trying to i'm not trying to set the question as do you risk your life or do you not risk your life right. i'm saying do you watch the movie just to consume the movie or do you wait in, in in a hope that you can consume the movie the way you would want in some future where that is safe
1: I'd, I'd watch the movie come
0: on yeah people. I'd probably watch yeah. the movie I'd be a fo- I'd be a ver- uh, like here's the thing with me Jeff I get so stressed out even uh <laughs> before the slash film cast, like whenever you review a movie and it's out and I haven't seen it yet I get stressed because I'm I'm always worried about being spoiled on it
2: yeah well and I'm gonna so- I'm gonna take this further then I'm gonna take this further because I know this is a, a, a just a thought experiment but I I find it fascinating if the only way you could watch Tenant was to watch it on your cell phone
0: no dude but what, everybody's what are you watching what are you it doing? on their <laughs> cell phones. The, well, the, the, the first scenario actually might happen in the real world, Jeff. I, this well, is I'm, just, yeah.
2: I'm asking you to do a fucking thought experiment. <laughs> I'm asking you to, to cut, jump with me into the realm of, of just what, it, what is important to you.
0: Yeah. Like, okay. No, the, fair enough. I would not watch it on myself. Yeah.
2: Would not watch it on so my so phone. Television I would say, at home. television yeah. at home you feel is not, not compromised enough to, you Correct. feel like you would still get the, because I feel like that movie is an IMAX movie.
0: Yeah, well, sure,
1: but this yeah. is this is all very obvious, Jeff. Like, yeah, nothing, there's no good video experience for me on my phone. I understand guys are
2: resisting my fun <laughs> thought experiment so hard. Uh, <laughs> Fair I'm enough. just trying to understand where your line is. Of
0: the line is not phones. So, for so sure. but Jeff, but Jeff, you're saying you would wa- you would not watch Tenet on your TV? Is that what you're saying? I
2: I feel like I would not want that to be the way I watch that movie. Yes,
0: you're. Yeah. It's going to be
1: hard to it even is... go through life if it's out like digitally and trying to avoid spoiler Jeff. like it is going to be very hard. Cause like the I memes are going to be everywhere. It's going to invade pop culture, like inception, like yeah, references, <laughs> everything. It's going to be like so, lost boys all over again. Except you want to see it.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, like, like an idiot. I'm going to delve, you're going to go back into the breach on this one and ask you guys to make it. Cause I'm trying to understand, <laughs> is it purely a size issue of the screen? Like, is it purely like, okay, s- cell phone too small home television big enough but there's well, a point home, at home which...
1: theater not also just home, yeah, tele- home like I'm theater. not going to watch the in the a 30 inch too, yeah. you know crappy TV or something yeah, yeah. the sound is important too so. sound size quality all the, all the fun stuff i'm going to yep. bet
2: that our listeners uh i think this is more interesting than either of you guys do and i'm i'm curious <laughs> what people think it, like is, is there like is there a movie that you feel like would only be a big screen experience and that you would forego watching it just to watch it because I feel like I know you guys are gonna uh, make fun of me again on this one but I feel like the <laughs> Avatar sequels are that also because they're going to be in 3D
1: sure sure I
2: want I want to have a big the biggest screen possible with good 3D I'm not going to have that at home I, I wouldn't want to watch that for the yeah. first time in,
1: in a normal world these judgments all make complete sense yes that's,
2: my point. that's the fucking point of this fun experiment yeah. is not gonna be- Throwing out the I'm fact cool. that we're I'm not cool in the normal
0: it. world. I'm cool with it, Jeff. I'm cool with the thought experiment. I'm cool with the okay. th- I, I initially resisted because it was so outlandish, but I, I now understand <laughs> what you're trying to do. Um so All it right. makes it makes sense to me. Uh, I will the, let it the, go. The way you've set it up. So I'm no longer <laughs> against the thought experiment. Um, but yes. Uh, I, I think actually we've heard from many listeners for whom this is the case, right? Many, many of our listeners, I remember like I remember receiving an email a long time ago where someone had seen uh like had a baby around the time that Force Awakens came out right and like couldn't see Force Awakens and mm-hmm. and like but saved themselves to see Force Awakens right until the yeah. movie, until they could see in theaters again and uh, i think that's a very common trade off people have especially with kids so um yeah anyway it's a what you're saying is
2: kids things. are the same as the
0: coronavirus <laughs> that's not what i'm saying but uh, oh, I, that's what i heard <laughs> speaking speaking of things that cha- like change forever as a result of coronavirus you know we talk we talked about movie theaters but also uh, I've probably uh, I'm probably never going to shake hands again for the rest of my life. I- I've just yeah, I- don't I've decided, don't shake hands. You know? Don't hug. I, I always hated it. Yeah. I always hated shaking hands and now I never I never need to do it again. And yeah. that's- the one good takeaway
1: from this is that we can settle on a certain like nod when you when you greet somebody. <laughs> like yeah. like
2: no, acknowledge well, you that do- person, that's it. Dave, what has to become your thing is is the extend your hand, but then it goes up to your temple like the fawns.
0: Yes, yes. That should be
2: just that's your thing. Is that is yeah. the is the gotcha psych out hand thing.
0: I'll uh, I'll get right on that, Jeff. Right on. I love these cool. uh
1: culturally relevant uh <laughs> <laughs> references <to> yeah. <laughs>
2: it's time for me to tell you about our new sponsor, Manscaped. Hey, you know, in this time of quarantine, when we're cooped up. Potentially with our closest, most beloved mates. Uh, I think the tendency, certainly my tendency, is to not shower, not take care of myself, not do all those hygiene things, because why? But you're with your most, the the people you love most in the world that you want to be intimate with, that you want to still think that you're taking care of yourself. Let me tell you about Manscaped. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. Yes, you should shower. Yes, you should brush your teeth. Yes, you should comb your hair. But if you really care about your mate, why not take care of the the below-the-waist grooming as well? And Manscaped actually makes it easy. It makes it not painful. If you've ever attempted to do any of the old uh, below-the-waist grooming with conventional above-the-waist tools. Let me tell you, it's uh, fraught with peril. Fraught with peril! Uh, Snip, snip, rip to shreds, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You do not want to mess with that stuff. But Manscaped has a third-generation trimmer featuring a cutting-edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. Talking about your balls here, people. Uh, I love the Manscaped thing. I got a box of Manscaped, uh, and when I opened it, it it says your balls will thank you. I mean, come on. That alone is worth... Order that and unbox it in front of your significant other. And I guarantee you, uh, smiles all around, right? Smiles all around. Uh, you'll you'll also find inside their perfect package the manscaped crop preserver, which is an anti chafing ball deodorant and mo- moisturizer. Yeah, yeah. You, you're gonna want that. Uh, you, you know, if you're just sitting around by yourself, even you're probably not wearing pants. You probably want to be groomed. Hey. This is a beautiful time when we don't have to wear pants, but you might as well be groomed. So for a limited time, when you subscribe to the perfect package and get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making your trimmer always stay fresh and clean, for a limited time, subscribers get not one but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag at $39.00. Dollar value add, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. It's the perfect package for your perfect package. That's right, I said it. The perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code filmcast at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with a free shipping at manscaped.com. Use Filmcast as your code. F I L M C A S T. Make playing with your balls the best part of your day. Thanks, Manscaped.
0: Let's move on to what we've been watching this week. (laughs) I I had a chance to watch. Okay, so I actually did something really cool this week, which is uh, the uh, uh, Twitch, which is a company, uh, a website company owned by Amazon. Mm -hmm. released this really cool feature this week called twitch watch party now i or they had already had it in beta but now you can actually very easily use it and um i had tried doing a watch party earlier with this thing called netflix watch party netflix watch party is a chrome extension and you basically get a bunch of people together and they watch a netflix show together and it, it really didn't work very well in my opinion uh it it's designed by, I don't know, a couple people. So it's not like, or one or two people or, you know, a small group of people. And, uh, there were a lot of bugs and we had trouble getting everyone in sync. And at at times it looked like somebody could actually like take control of the video feed and do their own. And I was just like, this is a bad experience. Like I was thinking, because we're, many of us are inside right now. Many of us are working from home or in quarantine right now. And so, replicating the experience of watching a movie with friends is something that I wanted to try to do. So I tried Netflix watch party, didn't work out very well. Then Twitch recently announced that they had released this feature called Twitch watch party and how it works is it's, as far as I know, it's in the U S only, or U S is one of the countries that it works in. It's not international yet. And you start broadcasting yourself on your Twitch feed and then you choose a video from Amazon Prime to watch. And everyone else who tunes in also needs to have Amazon Prime. And then you can all watch the movie together. And it's, you're, it's in sync. And uh, you can chat together. And I brought I basically broadcast uh, a Skype call with some friends. And uh, you can like basically have commentary on the movie. And it worked really great. Uh, and I'm planning on doing more of them. But it was a lot of fun. And the movie we chose was Rambo: Last Blood, because I thought, "Hey, this is going to be a fun, silly movie, uh, and it's not going to be too serious, and it'll, it'll be a perfect example of this." And it was great. It was. We kept track we of should the body do it, guys.
2: Count. We should do it. We should. I do think it as we a should show. do it.
0: I yeah. think we should totally do it. Um, but yeah, uh, we we did a thing where uh, we watched Rambo: Last Blood. We kept track of the body count, which, by the way, is forty eight. Forty eight people die in that movie. Um, and uh, the Rambo movies, I would say, are outright offensive uh, at this point. You know, I think they're uh, they they offend my sensibilities, but they are really fun to watch. Every movie, like First Blood, was such a great psychological thriller, action thriller movie about a Vietnam War vet trying to adjust to life back in the United <laughs> States, and then uh, every movie after that has been a cartoon. Um, and it has been about watching Rambo murder people of no, like murder non white people in increasingly creative and gruesome ways, is what the Rambo c- series has become. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is reaches its logical conclusion in Rambo Last Blood. Uh, and it's basically like taken combined with a Rambo movie. Um, and there's a lot of people that get blown up and shot up real good. Um, so if you, if you like to see some people getting, some non-white people getting killed real bad, uh, and, and tortured to death and, and murdered, Rambo Last Blood's a great option. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it led me to reflect on like, what, what, why is it that this <laughs> franchise went to this place? And I think that with many sequels, you know, any action sequels, like, uh, the, even the Rocky movies, Sylvester Stallone's other franchise, or, um. Looking at John Wick from a modern day perspective, like all sequels feel the need to die hard. Another example, right? all sequels feel the need to one up what happened before. Right. And that means more people, more action, more stakes, more people getting killed. And you expand you extend that to its logical conclusion and you get things like Rambo last blood. You get just things that that are basically just really cartoonish. I I think you called John Wick chapter three, a cartoon uh, in (laughs) our discussion of it, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, In a good way. In a good yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, so it's not like there's no enjoyment to be had, but it's just really very far uh, a departure from the initial film. Um, so that's Rambo Last Blood. The movie is what it is, uh, but it was a lot of fun to watch and make fun of with people. Yeah. And so I'd recommend Twitch Watch Party as a, as a way to do that. So... That's something I've been watching. I also had a chance to watch uh, something you had a chance to watch as well, Jeff Kanata. Yep. Jerry Seinfeld 23 Hours to Kill, which is his new Netflix special. So, Jeff,
2: his first new stand up special in I don't know how many years. A lot of years, right?
0: Yeah, uh, so there have been other things that right. have come out since then. Yeah, he so, redid instance, an old
2: old material as a new special, but this is like the first new hour that he's put out in a long time.
0: Right, uh, there was Jerry before Seinfeld, which I think we actually talked about here on the podcast. Yeah. Um, Jerry before Seinfeld, which is a documentary. Uh, there was the comedian documentary about how yeah. challenging it is to come up with material. But I think the last special was I'm Telling You for the Last Time, right? Yeah. which came out in 1998. So it's been over 20 years since he's released just a straight up uh, straight stand-up special. And of course he's also done the comedians with coffee and that stuff, but Right. What did you think of uh, Jerry Seinfeld 23 Hours to Kill, Jeff? I really liked it. I I it, I thought it was very funny, especially the second
2: half, which is a lot of his musings about marriage and his personal life. Uh it's sort of weirdly uh, bifurcated into into two two sections where he literally stops the show at a a point and goes, okay, I've told you about my observational stuff. Now we're going to go into my personal stuff. And he really marks it like that. And I found that interesting. uh, And I prefer the second half, although the first half was very funny too. Um, You know, this is a 65 year old man. Uh, I was surprised how, energetic he was. I don't remember him as a stand-up being that physical with it. The, like there's a part where he like lays down on the ground and he's constantly moving and flailing about on the stage, which is not how I remember S- Jerry Seinfeld doing standup. up I thought that was kind of interesting to see him, him work that way. Um, but my biggest takeaway from all of it, as much as I laughed quite a lot, I, I laughed a lot, uh, which is, you know, he's a very, very skilled Comedian, um, but my biggest takeaway is how it came out. It was made before a paradigm shift and came out after a paradigm shift.
0: Right? Yeah.
2: It and is. So I actually I actually wild. saw
0: him perform this set or a set very similar to this live actually in Seattle. Yeah. Um, and I, but that was years ago, right? Yeah. And it was the same material as he was doing years ago. So. I mean it's Tell- it,
2: it's very good stuff but I think the entire first bit is like this is what going out is we love going yeah. you know everybody wants to go out it's like no one's going out Jerry no one's going out anymore that's from a different <laughs> time we don't go yeah.
0: out anymore Well it, it's ab- it's about how terrible a burden it is to go out that's yeah. the thing is and, and everyone watching it is like I would kill to go out right now right right. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah uh
2: and there's another I mean there's another thing later that is d- like exactly about something that just isn't in the world anymore. <laughs> um, what is, is it shaking hands? No, I can't remember what it is, but there's some other bit that he does as an extended sequence that is just like, this is from a, a different time. It, it came out now, but this is like a window into a time where humans did this. Um, gosh, I wish I could remember what that was, but Uh, it's strange. It, it, it feels tone deaf almost, but it's not any fault of his because he's speaking about a world that is, that once was and was really recently, but just feels so long ago now and so different from, from the real world. Um, but you know, I found it to be, I found it to be very funny. I, I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would, uh, even as a fan of him and his stuff. I just thought it was, uh, really finely crafted and, you
0: know, top, top of his game really. I think he is very, very skilled. I super enjoyed watching him perform this live uh, a few years ago uh, in Seattle, and it is clear there's a reason why he got to where he is. Um, all that said, I, I do think it's very like boomer humor. You know, I, I oh, wrote a sure. Letterbox review of this movie and or this <laughs> special, and I said this is like a comedy special version of the old man yells at cloud uh, meme from The Simpsons, you know, uh, where it's like, he's, he's a cranky old man.
2: He's a cranky yeah. old man. But like, and he's- to, to, to make that a, a knock against, I think that's a feature, not a bug. I think that's, I, he, that's what he's selling right now. That's his, his brand is, the observational stuff used to be like, hey, isn't it weird that we all have to do laundry? And now it's like, Ah, the world is, and he straight up says it. He's like, the thing I love about being in my sixties is that I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> you know, he, he, I love that whole bit where he's like, you don't even have to respond to people when you're in your sixties. You just like yeah. like motion, eh, you grunt at them. And I think, I think to, to kind of lay it out that way as uh, a knock against it is kind of to miss the point.
0: Well, I'm not necessarily saying it's a knock against it, but I am saying that is the style of humor. And I think there's many people for whom a lot of these observations might seem quite warmed over, like mm-hmm. complaining about texts, you know? Oh, the texts and kids with all the texts these days, you know? <laughs> and your YouTubes and your texts, you know? It, it's just well, like- Also,
1: his, like, extreme position of privilege to, like, that's the... I actually really like comedians in cars getting coffee, but... I feel like that show knows what it is uh, for his up without having that context of being in a fancy car and talking with a major celebrity. It feels a little different, right? Like he is, uh, he can't speak to what we're all actually feeling.
0: I, I think it would surprise you how much millennials hate this style of humor, Jeff. Like I, I just, I was reading through letterboxd <laughs> and it's care. just like review after review of people just freaking ripping this thing to shreds. And I'm just okay. like, <laughs> you know i really I had a great time with it in person i had a I had a good time with it watching it now. It's a little bit weird now because of the coronavirus and everything but you know uh I had a good time watching it, but it's just like it's very clear to me that there are a huge subset of the population for whom this humor does not work, and it is a bug, not a feature so I'm just I so just what but
2: why does there. that matter to you if you and if you thought it was funny and it worked I, for you? Well, I, I, guess I, the, I,
0: I think the point of this, uh, part of the point of what, when we talk about these things is to say like, Hey, you know, I certainly like watching uh, people's heads get cut off, but like if you don't like people's getting heads got get cut off, like you might not <laughs> like it. You know, I feel, I think that's a reasonable thing to say um, on this podcast in which we review movies and TV shows. <laughs> okay. uh, so similarly, I'm saying, Hey, this okay. Boomer style humor might not be your thing, but if it is, you're going to love Jerry Seinfeld 23 hours to go. <laughs> all right, fair enough.
2: I feel like I feel like it's Listen, relevant to say everybody else has
1: John Mulaney, okay? Like we're yeah, not dude, we're you not like John desperate Mulaney for if comedy. I feel like, like, like you know? it, it,
2: it's relevant to say if you don't like head cutting off uh, movies, don't watch this movie when if it's if the movie isn't called Heads Cut Off All, all Day Long, you know, I, I saw Heads Cut Off All Day Long. I should point out if you don't like heads getting cut off cuz I feel like that's what you're, this is a 65-year-old man who was on TV in the 90s. Like, what else do you expect? I don't know. He's not going to be like, you know, doing a hip millennial, you know, humor. He's he's going to be – and I think that he actually – I don't mean to defend him in the sense that I'm personally offended. I, I don't care whether you like it or not, but it sounds like you did like it. Um, the – I just thought he handled that privilege thing kind of in a funny way, where he was like, "You know, we all life is hard for everybody. It's it's life is hard. Everybody's it's hard for every. I mean, it's going to be less hard for me, but it's yeah. hard. He has that whole moment where he's kind of, you know, I, I I thought he handled all that stuff in a in a really kind of funny way, and I I didn't interpret the texting stuff as like doing jokes about how hard it is to text when you're 65. I just thought it was more like, here's texting situations that we all get into that Mm -hmm. I think are applicable to any age, (laughs) but perhaps through the lens of a 65 year old man. I don't know. You're fair to have your opinion, but I, I, uh, I don't know. I thought I I was, I'm just saying I was surprised at how little it felt like it leaned in, but I'm, you know, in my forties. So
0: Take it for what uh, it's uh, worth. I, I will say also, uh, I do think it's just a fascinating, um, like, a, there's this meta psychological study that I think the, the special is because he points out, you know, uh, do you know how many people who've been through what I've been through or done what I've done would still be here, right? Like, he yeah. points that out. Right. And Jerry Seinfeld's net worth is around a billion dollars, right? And he, That's wild. He's somebody who yeah. uh, has documented like how hard it is to be a comedian, and you wonder like what is it that drives someone like that, right? If you had a billion dollars, but you still, because uh, because you are, I, I, I do think that regardless of how much money you have, anytime you step out on that stage, you're you're putting yourself out there. You know, you're There's- allowing yourself to be laughed with or laughed at or laughed near. And there's they, no universe in which he's doing any of that for the money. There's No, right, universe. no, no, a hundred percent. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, what drives someone to do that? Right? <laughs> and like, I think that's <laughs> what it, I, I yeah. I,
2: I, in my, my worldview is that is the best reason for anyone to do anything. The worst reason for anyone to do anything is for the money. I, I think that the, I, I respect that more than anything. Like the idea that a person would be driven to create, even if it doesn't, Mean they get food on the table. That's that's a beautiful thing.
0: I'm I'm not I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that uh, w- when I think of myself, like, and if I had a billion dollars, I, I probably wouldn't be going up on stage anymore and subjecting myself <laughs> to uh, doing like a whatever the hell that got me a billion dollars in the first place. You know what I mean? I'd probably be like, you know, that part of my life is over. I'm gonna do the things that like make me the most happy. And for this, for him, that that's what this is. Right, and so you are <laughs> seeing somebody do something that he really loves, um, and, and that is kind of like, from a psychological standpoint, in my opinion, uh, kind of dangerous because you're 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 up there, and uh, anything a lot of things could go wrong. People might not laugh; they might heckle you. Um, and for someone to keep doing that night after night, um, it, it's just interesting to me. It's interesting to me, and the the special Gary Seinfeld, twenty three hours to kill, offers a window into that. So uh, anyway. If any of that sounds interesting to you, you should check it out. It's out on Netflix right now. All right. Before we get to our uh, review of The Lost Boys, we got to thank people who donated to the podcast. We got to thank new subscribers, the the Gorgian family, Gorgian or Georgian family, um, for subscribing at the rate of $2 per month. Thanks also to donors, Gus Kim, Cameron Wilson from Auckland, New Zealand, Neil Smith, Britt Jordan, who wrote in a very lovely note to us, Uh, from Brooklyn, New York. Dave Esposito, who's just directed an eight-minute comedy called Not A Clue on YouTube. Chad Franks and Michael Crowder, thanks so much for your donations. Thanks also to Peter Turnbow from San Francisco, California, who writes in, Long-time listener, first-time donator, thanks for keeping the podcast going during these hard times. I especially enjoy the weekly COVID-19 updates and the kid TV reviews. As a parent of two girls, age four and seven, I'd like to suggest that your first mistake was actually watching TV shows with your kids. Mm. There's nothing better than uh, catching up on Westworld or some emails while the kids watch some inane Netflix show about (laughs) ponies or princesses. Stay safe and keep up the great work. Uh, that's Peter who is in stay at home week seven in California right now. Wow. Um, so
2: it's important to note which week you're in so that when Dave forgets to (laughs) read this for years at a time, we, uh, (laughs) we can place it in the,
0: in the, in the chronology. So this was an interesting email, uh, because it suggests Jeff, maybe you shouldn't watch things with your kids. What do you think of that advice? It uh, not, not eventually. I think, you know, Peter says,
2: uh, your first mistake (laughs) <laughs> Which of course, the first mistake was having the children in the first place. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah. If, you know, oh, we were if,
1: never going to let our kids hear this episode, Jeff.
2: No, yeah. of course never. Uh, <laughs> no, the first mistake, of course, uh, you know, if, if if your goal is to watch shows or have peace of mind or do things, that that's yeah. all I'm saying. Um, yeah. No, I uh, I'm not of that perspective. I genu- genuinely do want to watch things with my kids, so I know what they're consuming. And can relate to, we try to talk about things that they've watched. And, um, and you know, <laughs> I understand that I once asked my mom, uh, how did you do it? How did you do, you were a stay at home mom. Like, I can't imagine staying at home. And now I'm doing it because of COVID, but I was, I was like, I can't imagine. Like, I can't imagine. How did you do it with two kids? Just all you, all day long. We were the, you were the only person that was taking care of us. You had no help. How did you, and she goes, she turned to me and she goes, honestly, television and mm-hmm. uh i uh i so i understand the television as babysitter uh the necessity for that it, it, not even just the uh <laughs> the use of it it's it's sometimes it becomes a necessity i've just uh, really tried hard not not to lean into that too too much personally um but there are times when it's just like yeah w- sure, watch whatever yeah. the damn thing you want and I, <laughs> I will try to stomach it or zone out and pull up my phone or whatever it is
1: And also certainly when they get older, by the way, is that um, we're going to have a cutoff, right? Like right now I watch Peppa Pig with my, you know, 18 month old daughter because I'm sitting there with her and I want her to like learn things. But, you know, by the time you reach what, six or seven or eight, like, you know, they're off doing their own fun things. It's fine. Right.
0: Yeah. So you might as well watch stuff with them while you can, you're saying. Yeah. I think um, what has been interesting is that this idea of like policing screen time I've heard has gone away. Um, in the yeah. COVID-19 era. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. in my house, that's been the, the case for sure. Uh, there's all these principles that we used to hold dear, like, hey, let's limit the amount of screen time, or uh, minimalism, you know? we gotta yeah. got to keep as few things <laughs> in the house as possible. Uh, that's all yeah. just falling away. Hey, uh, I'm going to watch my diet and try to exercise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Uh, okay, we got an, uh, this message from donor Scott Anderson, who writes, "Thank you for getting me through many long days at work. I deliver oxygen and other medical equipment to patients on hospice care. Obviously, with everything going on, it's made my job infinitely more stressful. Thanks again, and stay safe." We've gotten quite a few messages from people who say, "Thank you for doing the show. Um, given that they are, they're like, they're an essential worker, you know, and they're listening to the show while being an essential worker, and um, so we are very grateful that us messing yeah. around on Skype." Uh, can help provide you some distraction. It's an honor. And thank you for everything you're doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're we so
2: pleased you. to have any kind of positive impact. So yes, and stay safe and
0: thank you. This one comes in from Jeff from Fort Worth, Texas, who writes in, long-time listener, first-time donor. While the great work you do on the show is certainly worthy of donation, this gesture was made with a small request. I'm passing along enough to cover each of your upcoming months of basic Hulu. My hope is that you'll check out the new limited series, Normal People. It's easily one of the best new television experiences available. I've never been this emotionally short-circuited by a show before. Haven't stopped thinking about it since my wife and I finished it this week. It's intimate portrayal of young love and how it changes its central characters as they weave in and out of each other's lives over their formative years is astonishing. It never leaves their perspectives or for subplots or distracting storylines. It tells a story with brevity. None of its 12 episodes are longer than 30 minutes and focuses exclusively on the scope of human emotion that exists between two people it's amazing how much I was invested in the story. I was constantly a wreck throughout. And just when I thought I found my footing emotionally, <laughs> <like> the show's <laughs> closing minutes utterly disassembled me. Uh. The music, direction, photography, and the two young leads are masterclass. What, what's so funny, Jeff? <laughs> it,
2: sounded like, it sounded like you said, I'm constantly a wreck throughout. <laughs> <laughs> did, I, did I say that? You said, I'm constantly a wreck. Throughout, and it's oh, yeah. like you said, <laughs> I'm constantly erect throughout. It's, just,
0: it's the whole extraction thing all over again. <laughs> <laughs> this I is just, a beautiful letter. I was constantly erect throughout. I'm, I'm a I'm a child. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was a constant wreck throughout. And just when I thought I found my footing emotionally, the show's closing minutes disassembled me. The music, direction, photography, and of course, the two young leads are masterclass. I've never experienced anything like it. And I think the three of you, especially you, Jeff Kanata, will find it and appreciate it as well. Can't wait to read the book it's based on. I'd love nothing more than to hear any of you discuss your thoughts on it soon. Either way, appreciate the wonderful content you put out each week. Keep up the great work.
2: I have yep. actually watched the first episode of this. Um, What'd you think? I, it did not grab me but hearing jeff's uh impassioned and um engorged view of it uh no sorry uh his (laughs) impassioned plea terrible 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 terrible. why would anyone (laughs) say that it's millennials would not enjoy that kind of humor um (laughs) the
0: the,
2: i will i will think you're right about that (laughs) i will continue i uh i i it was highly recommended to me and uh I turned on the first episode and I just kind of felt like, is this all it is? Uh, Because it it is, it's a, it seems like a very lovely uh, window into young love, but I felt like it, it just, it, I was waiting for something else to happen, but, but understanding that that's the point, perhaps I'll watch it with new eyes and um, stick with it. So thank you, Jeff, for uh, the lovely donation. And I I will
3: revisit. Yeah. I've I've been waiting to
1: check that out, by the way, but it sounds heartbreaking. It does sound like, I have to prepare myself for this whole thing, like prolonging the before sunrise sunset movies, basically over a series. So, yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, that's the thing is I've heard it's excellent. Everyone mm-hmm. is like, yep. but it's like, is that a story I want to immerse myself in right now? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's kind of yeah. where I'm at right Ma- now. Maybe you want to see Rambo instead. Yeah, you know? and that's there right. you go. <laughs> that's right. And who are we to judge?
1: No judgment. Sometimes no judgment. you need it. No judgment. If you're a cat owner like me, you probably love your cats and not so much the litter that you have to deal with. So I want to talk to you about Pretty Litter, which is convenient, mail-order, smart cat litter. And it's smart in a way that's really interesting. It uses a proprietary formula to change colors to help detect signs of potential illnesses or anything like that, like urinary tract infections or kidney issues, And unlike a lot of other cat litters, it doesn't have any ingredients that could harm your cat's health. It's even pretty dust free, which is a nice thing for the cats and humans alike. I also really enjoy the fact that it comes by mail, so I don't have to go trek out to a pet store and lug back a lot of litter. And it's pretty light, too, especially compared to clay litters. I honestly just love how useful Pretty Litter is. Uh, you kind of just have to go in and scoop out poop once in a while. Otherwise, you don't have to deal with it very much. It's all very light. It uh, doesn't take much to store. It traps odor. It lasts pretty long, too. And there's not as much cleaning up as compared to a lot of other litters. So do what I did. Get the world's smartest cat litter without leaving home by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code filmcast for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code Filmcast for 20% off. Prettylitter.com, promo code Filmcast.
0: Let's get to our review of the Lost Boys.
2: Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California.
3: They're about to discover its secret.
2: Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian,
3: or a vampire. When you're when you're so where are you, the flying nun? I'm your brother, Sammy. Help me! Stay back! Stay back!
2: What's
0: happening, Star? Get yourself a good sharp stick. That was from the trailer of The Lost Boys, which was directed by Joel Schumacher. The movie came out in 1987. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. After moving to a new town, two brothers discover that the area is a haven for vampires. Joining us for today's (laughs) review of The Lost Boys, he is the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane, as well as television episodes of Black Mirror and The Boys. Dan Trachtenberg, welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. Dan, how are you today,
3: sir? I'm so good, man. This is a long time coming. It's
0: finally <laughs> happening. Yeah, it's, happening. it's finally happening. So, so Dan Trachtenberg, as we explained in previous segments of the show and previous episodes of the show, uh, given that movie theaters are not open as of us recording this episode of the podcast, uh, or very few movie theaters are open, we have decided to go back to movies that we either want to force the other two co-hosts to watch. Or movies that uh, we never saw, it's on our list of shame, and we want to use this podcast as a mechanism for fixing that. And this movie today, Lost Boys, 1987 movie, uh, is one that you have always wanted Jeff Kanata to watch. Can you explain a little bit about why that is before we go to Jeff and ask him his opinion on the film?
3: Well, I mean, I think the the explanation is... uh obvious and that it was he just him having not seen there's a few movies that jeff has not seen and and when we used to do totally rad show alex had not seen or i had not seen that are like oh you know this is my personal favorite movie i'm surprised you haven't seen it but then there were a few bombshells that were like this was a huge cultural (laughs) culturally relevant uh movie (laughs) from its era and how did you not see it like how did you Especially because Jeff like was a couple years older than me. Like I wasn't able to see it when it came out because I was it was R rated and I was too young. Um, but it just seems like a movie, of course, we've all seen the lot, like we've just all seen that movie. Um, and for some reason, Jeff hadn't. Um, and but, Dan has texted me.
2: Bowl.
3: Yeah, Dan has texted me dozens of times,
2: just <laughs> just out of the blue, like, hey. Maybe tonight's a good night to watch The Lost Boys, Jeff.
0: <laughs> and I've
2: I have always I've always responded, Dan, I'll watch The Lost Boys when all movie theaters are closed <laughs> and I am legally not allowed
3: to leave my house. That beyond that, I'm you not made watching. This it. Happen, yeah. Jeff, you saying that reminds me, I yeah. think those texts were because I May have given you the Blu-ray of Lost Boys. <laughs> this sounds familiar. <laughs> this is this is Jeff's Firefly. <laughs> it's just possible. Like it's um, years not possible. watching it.
0: Wow. No, no. B- sure before I ask Jeff, just one last air. thing, Dan. Is there a reason you felt like Jeff specifically should watch this movie? You know, like why the, Jeff hasn't watched a lot of movies? Let's be honest, guys. Jeff hasn't watched a lot of movies. So yeah, yeah. no, no. I've
2: have watched a lot of movies, <laughs>
0: Dave. There are there are a bunch of there's uh, you know literally at least ten movies you could have named other than The Lost Boys, to bother Jeff about over the years, Dan. So is there a specific reason why this one felt there, so I important? mean, there's
3: plenty of movies on Jeff's list of the shame that are like, that's an important movie in cinema history, or, oh, I loved this movie, um, and, and it's your tastes. You should watch it. Um, <laughs> the Jack Bull is that, Jeff. Uh, or or Oscar, <laughs> even. But um, this is like saying... You know, we're all talking about The Breakfast Club and Jeff's like, I haven't seen that or Goonies or um, to a lesser degree Monster Squad, just to name like horror movies, horror adventure movies. But, you know, it just to me, this is just a giant um, part of 80s movie going culture. And I just could not believe that Jeff had not seen it. I will say without I I mean, I could not be more excited to hear Jeff's thoughts Um, and. This is the this is my first time revisiting this movie since this is my first time revisiting it in a long time. Um and I definitely it's it wasn't it it wasn't what I entirely what I had remembered. Um <laughs> in, in, in every direction though. Um in every direction. Yeah. Um I wanna say though, the first time I watched this movie was scrambled on
1: <laughs> <TV>. oh <laughs> yes definitely yes.
3: yeah it, it, you know for, for kids listening um way <laughs> back concept in, of scrambled needs I, to be explained I, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> crazy way back in the 1980s or 90s um uh if you had either a channel like my parents had our hbo and in the east coast we had a, a movie channel called prism um that were locked because they didn't want us to see it unless they unlocked it. Like, literally, the the device was a key and a box. Um, But I think it was also pay-per-view as well. I think this was on pay-per-view. And if you didn't pay for it on your television set that was square, (laughs) um, it would be the video signal was scrambled so that it was multicolored and zigzaggy. You could occasionally kind of make out sort of an image, but you also could hear it completely. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so I listened to the entire movie illegal, you know, like with my parents, <laughs> not you know in the basement, and like as soon as they came down to the laundry, I'd have to quickly change the channel. Um, and this and is how I, I watched the Playboy Channel, by the way. yeah, just yeah, a side I, note.
1: I, I would say most kids uh, would try to watch porn like this, but for Dan, it's, uh, it's the Lost Boys. And I totally get it. This was me, too. I get it.
3: Um, so anyway, that, that's, that's my table setting for me personally. Um, but I then grew to absolutely ad- adore it uh, and, and wear out the VHS of it. So, Jeff, are we going to hear?
0: Yeah, Jeff Kanata. Let's go to you. So it was basically such a huge cultural touchstone that it's like not watching Star Wars or something like that. I had a friend recently who had never seen Back to the Future, and it's like, right. okay, yeah. well, th- that person needs to watch Back to the Future. But yes, Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on The Lost Boys? Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say my thoughts on The Lost Boys are best summed up
2: in the form of a limerick.
0: Wow. Okay. Are
2: you ready for this one? Here we go. Oh, God,
3: I'm so scared.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can
2: finally relax, Dan. <laughs> I get why The Lost Boys attracts fans. <laughs> it's flawed, but it's fun, like two movies in one, and starts with a half-naked sax man. <laughs> yes!
0: <laughs> yes! Bravo. <laughs> Amazing. Bravo. Amazing. <laughs> uh. um,
2: Bravo. I enjoyed this more than I thought I would. It, it is, It's a weird movie. It's also like... 97 minutes yeah which is uh, (laughs) awesome (laughs) i love that right off the top i'm like hour 37 yes you would this movie wouldn't be made today under two hours (laughs) you know it would be it would be a two-hour movie this movie would
1: be like a 12 episode netflix series you know today
2: (laughs) yeah uh and i understand why it gets to an hour and a half because there's a whole lot of stuff that are just like you don't need to know that we yep. we don't care to t- explain any th- of that. Vampires. That's just it. Just take it. Just take it on our word that that's a thing. And we'll talk more in, in spoilers about specific things that I was like, I kind of think the movie owes us an explanation about that. But um, <laughs> and and also I think the action, unfortunately, is a subject of its time in in that it's, it, you know, it, if we had the benefit of visual effects and some of the things today. I feel like the vision for what is happening would have been expressed a little clearer instead of relying on cuts and sort of weird. Uh, juxt-
3: cameras. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. Wait, but Jeff, can I interrupt you there on yeah. that specific point? Because sure. I, I want to get a sense of what Roger Ebert thought of this movie when it came out. Um, and he's a critic that I often disagree with, but yeah. just to get a sense of things. And there is one line in his review uh that says um he he sometimes i think modern advances in special effects technology can be directly blamed for the collapse of original screenwriting <laughs> well i i don't disagree with that and i th- I
2: think uh, people can rely on visual effects in ways that are unnecessary no. or actually detrimental to the storytelling and i I think this movie does some very clever things. I mean, there's that sequence on the bridge. That's amazing. And I think is better for having not the ability to show exactly like just using fog in the way that it does is really cool.
0: Yes. Um, my,
3: my point is though, that just like, just to put everyone in the mindset, these, these effects that were like mind blowing and incredible and, he felt at the time, oh my God, these kinds of things are ruining the movie yeah, because they don't, like It's so individual cutting individual edge, effects. basically. Yeah, right? yeah, I
2: see what you're saying. I see, yeah. So this
3: movie specifically, it was like too much. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah.
2: yes. And I'm still saying not enough. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, the movie starts, like the first shot of the movie is what would be a drone shot today. Yep, yep. But because they didn't have drones, it's like three different shots cut, cut together
3: that's like one helicopter shot Yeah, one's yeah. a
2: helicopter shot one's a crane shot you know it's it's a victim of the vision is a victim of the the technology or lack thereof um and i think you could argue that the same movie would be a little bit better and there's a lot of action in the movie that is that is like chopped all to hell because they just couldn't visualize they you know they just didn't have the means to show you exactly what they wanted to show you Um, but that's sort of all secondary to the fact that this is, it's, it's a really fun movie. It's a really eighties movie, but it, as I said in the, in the limerick, the, a, I am shocked at how little I knew about this movie going into it. Like how for 23 years I managed to just completely be oblivious to, I had Uh, no idea. I knew that Kiefer Sutherland was in it. I knew that Corey Haim was in it. I had no idea that Jason Patrick was in it. I didn't know that. That's yeah, pretty star wild. He's, too. he's the yeah. star. Um, and I d- really didn't know what it was about other than that it involved vampires. And it's such a cool take on vampires. And like I said, in the limerick, it, it really feels like two movies that share the same space. Like Jason Patrick is in a horror movie and Corey Haim is in like this eighties goofy you know, Home Alone, yeah. Monster Squad. Kids
1: versus the monsters, yeah.
2: Yes. And the fact that this movie pulls off both of those movies coexisting at the same time is pretty fun and and surprising. Um, it, it's it's good. It doesn't overstay its welcome. There's a lot of really cool ideas. You kind of think as a kid, you're like, oh, what would I do if my brother turn, you turned into a vampire? Or you think, what would I do if got turned into a vampire against my will, you know, like those, (laughs) those questions are fun questions that, that wish fulfillment is, is really fun. And the movie does a great job of letting you live in that world. And this like, like vampires even post this movie, when we got into, you know, the Anne Rice vampirification and then post Anne Rice was the twilight vampirification let's
1: let's not forget buffy sir like this movie sure. buffy exists because of the like style and attitude of this movie and the That's sets. really interesting it's it's so much buffy
2: yeah that's interesting i i didn't make that connection probably because i'm not as big a buffy fan as dan or you or anybody else here um but that's interesting i was gonna i was gonna point out that vampire vampire fiction hasn't really gone to the like beach boardwalk thing But maybe Mm -hmm. I guess Buffy is kind of that. Well,
1: Buffy was never like the beach, but it was definitely like L.A. Teenage vampires invading the town and stuff like it it is very much built on this concept.
2: It's just a fun mashup of vampires, which are creatures of the night, shadows, Mm -hmm. mysterious castles in Transylvania, you know, that, you know, mythos mashed up with like roller coasters and cotton candy and beach boardwalk and motorcycles. It's like saxophone rock. Yeah. yeah, It's such a cool idea to, to Genesis of an idea. Um, and I kind of wish the movie went farther. I, you get a sense that, you know, especially with that saxophone concert at the beginning, (laughs) you get a sense like every single person, there's a vampire, you know, not just Keith Kiefer and his crew. It feels like, everyone who's out past a certain time on this (laughs) beach boardwalk is a vampire. And I kind of would love, I would love more world building in that way. In this movie, it it Mm -hmm. doesn't, it doesn't really give you that. It's not really interested in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had to be honest, I had been reluctant to watch this movie for so long and, and been putting off Dan's texts for so long because (laughs) I honestly thought I had missed the window on appreciating this. I thought, yeah. If I'd seen it in the eighties, if I'd seen it in the early nineties, if I'd seen it as a teenager, maybe it would have been fun, but I just thought I'm not going to waste my time now watching it. Little did I know it was only 90 minutes and, <laughs> uh, and it, it, it's fun. It is fun. And now, uh, now I get it. Now I get the references and, and, and Kiefer's like really good already, so you know, good. even so this good. movie it's yeah. like, oh, real good. Um, he knows how to lean into his voice in this movie. And yeah. like that
1: seduction just works perfectly for this character. Yeah. yeah.
2: And you kind of get why Corey Haim was a star. Um, it, you know, it's it's a very product of the 80s. It's so funny how Corey Haim's like in this different movie where he's he's wearing wardrobe that you feel like Corey Haim's publicist, <laughs> uh, you know, insisted that he wore yeah. in this movie. The cover of Teen Beat. Yeah. yeah. He's like wearing like they're, they're this this family that's kind of like down on their luck. Uh, Oh, by the way, I also, when the movie started, I was like, Oh, I get why Dan likes this movie. It's karate kid with vampires. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway, yeah, they're sort of down on their luck and moving, you know, they have to move away from the big city into this sort of, uh, smaller community because they don't have much money. And yet Corey Hames wearing like the most expensive clothes that you could get at that time. Uh, (laughs) It clearly was like Corey Haim is Corey Haim and he's not gonna be looking like any other character than Corey Haim. <laughs> but um but yeah, I I will say this was a win for you, Dan. I this was a win. I, I enjoyed it. I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. It's fun. It it you know it I can't say it completely holds up and I'm excited to talk in spoilers more about some of the little weird, you know. The, the the weird decisions this movie makes are almost as interesting as the movie itself. Let me hop in here and tell you about our sponsor better help. This is, I think the perfect sponsor for these trying times. Uh, my wife is using it. I'm using it. It is truly a tough thing for us all to be cooped up in our houses. It's stressful. It's anxiety inducing. These these days uh, with all of this uncertainty, why not talk to someone? You know, if there's something, anything, interfering with your happiness, preventing you from, from achieving your goals, from focusing, I'm having such a hard time right now focusing, but you can start communicating with a professional therapist in under 24 hours. And that, that's with BetterHelp. BetterHelp, We'll assess your needs, match you with your own licensed professional therapist. This is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. This is professional counseling done securely online. You know, we're all stuck in our houses. We're all doing our part, staying home in quarantine, can't go into therapy anyway. Why not do it at home securely? And it's available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime, send a message to your counselor anytime, and you get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So, you don't ever have to leave your house and you can still get access to professional counseling. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. And they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need. It's more affordable than traditional online counseling. Also, financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. And like I said, my wife and I are both taking advantage of this, and it is it is so beneficial to us in these in these days when everything seems so bleak. And just uh, getting access to professional therapy makes such a huge difference in our day to day lives. So visit. Their website, you don't have to take my word for it. You can visit their website and read other testimonials that are posted daily. Uh, that's uh, betterhelp.com slash reviews. Uh, but when you visit betterhelp.com slash filmcast, that's better, H-E-L-P, better help, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Uh, you get 10% off your first month just by visiting our website, our link, betterhelp.com slash filmcast. So again, slash filmcast listeners, 10% off at dot com slash filmcast.
0: Dan, uh, go to you real quick before we go to Devinder and me. Uh, you said that revisiting it, you kind of were surprised in a few different ways. Can you talk a little bit about that, your most recent viewing?
3: Well, I, yeah. And I also think it's important to create a little bit of a snapshot of how the movie existed then and some of the craft behind it that jeff spoke to um certainly there's probably some stuff that they just were not capable of pulling off given the technology and the means of filmmaking but at the same time this movie is basically like watching I couldn't really think of a, as good a reference as, like, maybe a Michael Bay movie now. Joel, Joel Schumacher was a music video and I think commercials director. So in the same way that Top Gun has that crazy volleyball sequence and it's like, oh, this and the and the filtered lens. It's like this movie was a visual, like, even the mashup of those ideas that Jeff was speaking to of, like, beach-soaked and... um and Tim, the Tim Capello uh half naked sax man like that and the music that was used in the movie and some of the editing like that kind of thing uh was super stylish was like whoa like the way this movie even worked and the and the camera like swooping down um was uh a choice it was not just a it it wasn't that way because this is what filmmaking was it was actually like cool that it was that way um and i think you know jeff was brought brought a pacing and there were a couple things especially at the beginning was like wow this movie moves so quick and Mm -hmm. even uh there's a tiny little bit where jason patrick and jamie gertz they're like doing their first meet, cute walk and talk, and they're like just walking to his bike, like they just started talking, but it's as if they were planning on leaving together yeah. anyway. <laughs> it <laughs> felt, it felt. I I also wondered his performance. I'd never really clocked this. Is weird at times, and it and it was. He felt like he he gets into his zone when he's going through the vampiric transformation, and. The beginning when he's like following her, when he first catches her eye, he's still in that zone before that even ha- like he's he's acting very strangely. And I wondered if they had shot the opening at the end of the shoot. And mm-hmm. he just it was a not it was a mismatch of direction for him. And anyway, it was very weird, I thought. Um, so there, there's weird things that probably at the time we just ex- Movies moved that way because of the way movies were made and maybe less reshoots where you could correct things. And um, so there was some stuff like that that really kind of threw me and I had not remembered. Um, But I think I would imagine part of the reason why it holds up to the degree that it holds up, despite some of the stylish style of its time, stylishness. Um, it's because it's also a, a real movie. Um, It's like very well-structured. There's very fun reveals. It's about a family. It's not just like, this is a kid's movie about the kids. It's is a teen movie about the teens. It is about a family dealing with divorce. And there was something that I had never clocked as a kid, where when they first move into the new home and the grandfather said, is talking about the divorce, I believe with the mom and she's, he says something about like, you should not have like let him have the house. And, yeah. and you're the only like,
1: divorce. You're the only woman I've met who hasn't been richer by divorce or something yes, like that. Yeah. Yes.
3: Great. Great line. And I, and it perfectly sets up this woman who's like allowing herself to be walked over. I wish that she what an easy arc she could have had to have made a fun decision at the very end of the movie. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of thought that was what I hadn't remembered the movie perfectly, and I was like, "Oh my god, genius!" Um, and it didn't totally go there, but that was just a great. By the way, movie. Um, one of the writers of the movie, Jeffrey Boehm, who I adored, he wrote. He wrote Last Crusade, um, and I think he worked on like Believe the Weapon movies. In this movie, he just I, I I believe he's responsible for a lot of the movie's fun. And you, you guys brought up the Buffy analogy. The thing that really landed for me is how much this represented the Joss Whedon voice yep. of pairing really grounded sense of humor with um heightened genre stuff, you know, like um, the, it's, it's, it's interestingly, it's dialogue that puts us in the mind of like, oh, this is how it really would be, you know, I, in my mind, and there was stuff like the hunger that came before this that I would never seen. And I could, I could be very wrong about what I'm about to say. But I feel like there were Dracula movies forever, and then around this time, once again, I could be wrong. It was, and I know there's like Nosferatu, whatever, But this, then we started getting vampire movies where it wasn't right. just like it's about Dracula and Dracula on screen and all that mythology. It's just no, wow, wait, people can be turned into vampires. Um, similarly, like it does take a similar approach to the Wolfman. Um, To uh, to how American Wealth in London handles with Wolfman, it like slows it down and shows what if you were watching the actual progression happening and seeing someone deal with it. But I did get like twinges of like, oh, it's kind of like they're dealing with if their older brother started doing drugs and drinking and the family has to be post-divorce and they're having to deal with it and younger brother having to deal with older brother. I just I thought all that stuff felt really authentic and 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 good um
0: it's it's also interesting you know uh, this is a very obvious point but as you get older the people the characters you you identify with the most change you know yeah. uh, when you're a kid <laughs> You're really identifying with Corey and yeah. it's like, oh, this fun little adventure he's going on. And man, if I was in that situation, I would be doing the same thing. Now it's like Diane Weese character that I feel I, the most. Yeah,
3: totally. <laughs> I, right. I Dave, it's so funny you said that I and by the way, I was a huge Corey file. That was another part of my adoration for this movie. This is the one where they met. Um The Corys. And Yeah. The Coreys. And that that also was a real mixed bag of like there's it's- such great the Frog Brothers um, are great characters. The conceit of them is so fun for the movie. and But the take on them is at times <laughs> so bizarre, yeah. sometimes hilarious and great. It seems like Feldman, Feldman's a good actor. He blood. just feels
2: like he was yeah. way over directed here. Yeah. Doesn't it feel like he was just like <laughs> he was told to do some of this stuff the deadpanning and the like yeah. uh, Well but know, then also he,
0: he has he affects uh, an adult lower voice. Yeah. I, I yeah. got to think that was an actor decision. You know. Maybe. To, maybe. To, to I don't know. I, I just feel
2: you see him in Goonies and you know there's, there he does very good performances. It's not that he's he's yeah. you know just this kid actor who wasn't any good, he, he was a real good actor, and
3: uh, this movie is just kind of doing a, this bizarre thing, totally. Um, but uh, but yes, I definitely identify with <laughs> We It's, it's like th- that's
0: more likely a person that you actually know in your real life, you know. Right. Um,
2: sure, yeah, you're like, just let her have a date, <laughs>
0: yes, so please. Cool Come on, the movie
3: includes her, you know, and yeah. that her it's, yeah. it's about the family story, it's not kids go on an adventure together. Um, but the, And the production design is awesome, and the costuming is it's, awesome. It's, da- it's I, I, like, I, I, I mean, I'm curious how you guys feel, but I sort of felt like there's so many these movies where it's so embarrassing, and this, mm-hmm. you guys may say it is, and it could, but I also, I felt like it's so specific that it almost feels like a science fiction movie. It's like, oh, I'm watching yeah. a very, Interesting depiction of a culture, um, (laughs) rather than look at shoulder pads, you know, because it's so detailed everything Mm. uh, aesthetically. Um, And when we get to spoilers, we can we can go into it. But I think this movie has just one of the greatest last lines of the movie of all time, (laughs) for sure. Yeah, so came way quicker than I had remembered it coming. But um, yeah, lots of great. Genuinely funny stuff to, you know, to this day was lots of things were not dated. Some things are, but lots of things are not. Um, so, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed revisiting.
0: All right, Devendra, let's go to you and then let's get to some spoilers for this.
1: Sure. Um, yeah. So I grew up loving this movie. I feel like a lot of people. It was definitely on TV a lot. Like after after the point where you had to sneak around and watch on HBO or something, um, it felt like it was on repeats a lot. I really remember as a kid enjoying the style of this movie, just like the look of it, the way everyone is just like so cool. Kiefer Sutherland is so cool and his clothing, like it's all it's dated. But to me, it's also dated. And like you're saying, Dan, so specific that it feels a little timeless too like it still works for me. Vampires in leather on motorcycles still feels cool as hell. There's a chase not, not quite a chase sequence, but there's a race uh, uh you know at night that looks so cool. Um I think this movie really evokes Joel Schumacher's best sensibilities in terms of style. Um I feel like you know definitely with the Batman movies he went way overboard on that but you get the sense of like he knows how to build a world he knows how to to design a world this town santa carla which um is that a real town or are they just redoing no, santa clara no, it's, right yeah it's it's fake,
0: a, yeah,
1: yeah. so fabricated, yeah. but it feels it feels like as an east coast as an east coast kid growing up in connecticut where there was like no no like nice beaches near me certainly i wasn't like by the water this was such a weird glimpse of like la life or california life and really like the, santa cruz is what, yeah, what it is yeah. yeah the town is just so crazy too like they're at that concert you know at night and i'm like what it what is Corey Haim doing there like what are the kids doing there um man it must have been tough for this mom to bring her children to this town where like it just seems like people are always crazy on the boardwalk like something maddening is always happening
2: um and for and me isn't this it movie, also interesting how yeah in the 80s there was just no question that the mom would just let yeah. the kids go. That, <laughs> when, no, have yeah. No idea where they are. No concept of you know right. what's no, going no on in their lives. No cell phones life. or
0: tracking devices yes. or anything.
2: Yeah. Yes, it's, we we just had we just were parenting was different. It was different. Yeah.
1: It's yeah yeah and well for me too like this movie really holds up in a way because it's not also. It's not like Gremlins, right, where the the um, specter of something dangerous from the city and from another culture coming in to invade suburbia. uh, That's not the core of the movie. This movie is about, like, you know, this family who is going through hard times moving to a city and there's a lot going on. And the people living in that city aren't inherently bad. Like, I love the establishing shots that we get at the beginning of the movie. It's just all different types of people living their chill beach life. Like, there's so much cool stuff going on in this town. This is a town I would have loved growing up in, you know, except for the vampires. And, and also loved, maybe the
0: murders. <laughs> the murders, you it's know, like the murder capital of the world.
1: <laughs> That's always fun, but it's because of the vampires, so I blame it for that. I don't know, <laughs> um, but it just seems like it's so alive. There's so much stuff happening and so much detail for all the background people. And I remember looking at like the shirtless sax man as a kid and just being like, man, that that guy rules. <laughs> what that guy must have an amazing life, you know? Like he this is what he does for a living. He just like is ripped and plays saxophone all day. Uh, but yeah, I love every aspect of the style this movie as a kid and for me. It it really a lot of it still holds up. I think it still looks good. Um Some of the special effects definitely feel dated. But I think towards the end where things get really gory, like I love how this movie both starts out as a very teen-centered movie. You get some family stuff and then it really leans into like the gore and the horror stuff towards the end. So as a kid, this movie had everything for me and I I appreciate it. I still appreciate uh, so much of it. And certainly as somebody who loved Buffy growing up, like you can see so much of Buffy in this movie, like the vampire's lair, is very much a Buffy set of just like cool stuff happening, like underground. It's kind of grungy. It's modern. You know, they're into pop culture. You know, they have posters in the background and stuff. But they're vampires. They gotta they gotta go suck blood. They gotta do evil things, and that juxtaposition of like vampires, this pop culture, and showing it kind of modern, I found really cool. Uh, I will say this: these days, I am definitely more of a fan of Near Dark, which came out the same year. Another vampire is, uh, I believe, also on motorcycles. Uh, you know, cool punk vampire movie. To me, that one is grittier, it's deeper, and certainly better directed because Catherine Bigelow, come on. Uh, I love that movie, but this one still holds a place in my heart.
0: All right. I'll just bring up a couple of meta uh, points, and then uh, I'd love for us to get into spoilers, talk more in depth about the movie. Uh, but one thing is, I think people have already pointed this out on the internet, uh, but the movie Us, the Jordan Peele movie, uh, directly yep. references the making of this film, right? In the opening of the movie, they say, hey, I think they're shooting uh, some kind of vampire movie over there as they're on the boardwalk at the beginning of that film. And they're referring, yep. of course, to the Lost Boys, um, which I, I guess just goes to show you, number one, that the Lost Boys exists in the universe of Us. But also, <laughs> number two, that that movie had such a big influence that, you know, Jordan Peele... Generally, generally regarded as one of the uh, best horror, horror directors today um, is, uh, like, re- chose to reference it at the beginning of his latest movie. Um, so, wanted to call that out. Jermaine uh, Lucy, a friend of the show, recently interviewed Tim Capello, the sax man. Sex man. <laughs> and I think that, I thought this is really funny. Uh, this guy uh, worked with Tina Turner uh, and spent years uh, performing with him, Ringo Starr as well. Uh, and in this interview, which we'll link to in the show notes, he says, quote, I was with Tina for 15 years. She was such a huge part of my life. Uh, every day, every night, playing with her, looking at videos from the night before. I did so many records with her and all this stuff, it means nothing. I'll go to a convention or I'll do a gig and I'll have a picture of me and her. Maybe I'll sign one or two a day it's all just stills from the Lost Boys. That's what people want, and that's what they see me as. Uh, and I thought that was fascinating because it's just this idea uh, of this guy who spent years working on legitimately good music that he is proud of, rightfully so. Oh. Uh, Are you saying his song is not good in this movie? No, I'm just he, saying. He's,
2: hey, he's, in, he's in like thir- 35 seconds of this movie? Yeah, yeah.
0: he's in, I mean, he's in know, about one minute of screen time. It's crazy. Movie. That, like, defines his legacy. That's, you know, the vast majority of people, when they talk to him, that's what they want to talk to him about, (laughs) is this one... He did one day of shooting, and this is the thing that he's remembered for, which uh, I think just goes to show you about the power of movies, uh, you know, and how... And pop culture. And and pop culture, and how much uh, of a role can have in etching yourself into the popular imagination. Go ahead, Jeff. The
2: power of moving your hips
3: like that is what it's (laughs) really about.
0: (laughs) Indeed. Really. That's the
3: the biggest... I remember asking my brother, and I wish I could remember his answer now. About like, was that awesome then <laughs> to, to older to teenagers, or was even that was it weird even then? You know, and I I think about like maybe because it's Schumacher, I go to Batman and Robin, the Blacklight Gang. Sure. Yeah, that I think as a younger kid i thought that was cool looking but i imagine every adult in the audience it wasn't even cool then you know like <laughs> it's just a crazy stylistic uh, choice but i don't know I, I, that's such a mystery i want the answer to of like was that just awesome like people like,
2: wow i feel like the the way the film presents it where all the kids in that audience are loving yeah, it. yeah loving it, like you don't it's not ironic in the movie right yeah. it's it's no. it, i think and i think the only way you put that in the movie is if you legitimately think it sells something that's awesome and over the top and wild and, and crazy town, uh, like crazy and all, you know, it's like yeah. you know, the, the idea is this bacchanal is happening. And it's just like <laughs> no inhibitions. And everybody is just like, you know, dancing in the firelight. You know, that's,
0: I think I, I, it must have been cool. I think the thing that really threw me for a loop is this moment when Diane Wiest is in the video store and, Uh, you know, the kids are being all rebellious and she says, Oh, the kid, you know, somebody says kids these days or something like that. And she says, uh, well, all of us were kids at one point, you know, they're kind of just like us in a way only they dress better. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that really kind of threw me. I had to, I was like, Whoa, because to me, all these characters (laughs) look ridiculous. Uh, and, but then I'm like, okay, so in your opinion, they look cool, you know, like, and so does that mean what you're wearing is not cool? Right. You know, and, uh, it just, I was really trying to like place myself, but I'll just say quickly, I, I very much enjoyed watching this movie. Um, I had seen it on TV before. Uh, I, I, enjoy the economy, you know, usually, uh, movies that kind of fast forward through plot developments or world building, or whatever, it, it kind of bothers me a little bit, but, but in this movie, it didn't bother me. I think just because we get what we need to get about what the vampires do, you know, they, <laughs> um, uh, they live forever they need to kill to survive and uh you know they can fly around and that's that's really all you need to to know um and the movie does does, a good job of communicating those things it introduces the concept of like half
1: vampires
0: yeah that's true you don't really see much and that
1: is like oh and it establishes that like you drink the blood and things start happening but you're not quite a vampire yet like i do love those little things which are new to like vampire canon
0: yeah yeah but (laughs) it's essentially it's a metaphor about Growing up, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. And I do think like because of the family thing, Dan, that you mentioned that it's about the whole family. I do think it does uh, lack a little bit of focus. It's hard for me to know who the protagonist of this movie is, honestly, between Jason Patrick's character and Corey's character. Um, it's two movies happening at the same time. Hashtag family is
1: the protagonist.
0: (laughs) Like that's what it is. I was just talking with a great family movie. Yeah. I I was just talking with Patrick Willems recently on one of his YouTube channels about how like there's these things called gear shift movies, right? Like audition is a gear shift movie or psycho is is a gear shift movie. I don't think this is a gear shift movie only because the two movies seem to be happening in parallel to each other. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. so it's not like there's a single point in the middle of the movie where it's like now it's a different movie.
1: This is um, a tango between yeah, it's two different a tango genres. Tango between that's working the working wacky. they start dancing. Yeah, the wacky I mean, child versus monster movies. Yeah, go
3: ahead. It's a genre. Planets it's Big Trimble Little China, Scream, yep. uh, you know, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's my, those are all my favorite kind of movies. So, um, but
0: yeah, it's, essentially it's a metaphor about growing up, I think. It's, a, it's, it's like, what is, what does it feel like to be 17 and feel like the world is at your feet and all these outside forces that now you have access to, you know, that you don't fully understand, um, and that threaten to intrude upon and maybe wreck your relationship with your family and how do you navigate all those things. Um, and the, the central metaphor still really works for me. So uh, I enjoyed it overall. It's very, very goofy, particularly the parts uh, with the the children and them killing vampire. It's very funny. and like <laughs> the whole grandfather with a taxidermy and everything like that, it's just it's just so weird. Um,
1: but I love his compound house. Like, as a kid, like, I would have loved to, like, live in this weird thing with animal skeletons. And it's, like, a big, giant, like, clubhouse, too. Like, it's a very unusual house. Kind of love it.
0: Right, but that's it's kind of those things. When you think back on these movies, right, it's those things that really you remember about them. Mm-hmm. It's like what Dan said, like, the last line of the movie. It's like the the taxidermy and the owl and all that stuff like that. It's these weird touches, these David Lynchian Things that just seem to come out of nowhere and don't seem to move the plot along at all that do help to give a movie like this its
3: character. So, but it does, but I mean, I thought that was a deft little piece of one we're enjoying the comedy of the aloof grandfather, yes, that we think is just there for comedy, right? And the goofy taxidermy just there for comedy for Corey to freak him out and he can put whatever, um, and but then also creates the fodder for the finale to happen you know to yeah. to allow a, a way in which they can use their environment to kill mm-hmm. you know set up it's set up for the payoff and then also to allow the grandfather to just fucking come <laughs> come, come out firing yeah. well let's uh, let's, uh, let's, last... let's 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 move the yeah. spoilers
0: now because we're getting to it already so yeah. we'll just say spoilers for the lost boys starting right now now the secret you're gonna see this coming no but you won't find it because of course you're not gonna see this coming you're not really looking i have been puzzling over how it works you don't really want to work it out who's in the box
2: i have been dying to tell you i want to tell you my secret now you
0: want to be fooled uh so yeah what are some of these decisions you're you already talking about the ending there uh dan but On the way there, one of the things I appreciate about the movie is that it takes a full, I think, 45 to 60 minutes of its 90-minute runtime before (laughs) you really see the vampires in full bloom. Love it. Yeah. 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 Before you really see Kiefer with all the teeth and the eyes and everything like that. And that takes a lot of self-restraint, I think. You know, because I think, like, that's what we as the audience kind of want to see. We're curious and uh they they withhold that until hey now you got to murder all these beachgoers uh, and that, that's the scene when you find out so i did appreciate that the movie ha- uh, had patience yeah well, they, i was, I was, shocked. Short. I was
2: shocked that you know we're in this goofy you know frog brothers talking a big game about how they're going to be the one and you think every 80s movie you get to the to the to the big moment and then they go humana 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 and you know they turn out oh they're just kids you know it's uh wolfman's gottenards you know it's all that <laughs> those kind of moments in the 80s movies of the kids who are like we can do it oh no the goonies are really kind of uh, you know not as cool as they think they are and they have to learn how to overcome it no the frog brothers <laughs> fucking stab vampires they're murderers they just yeah. get to the moment there's dudes <laughs> hanging upside down let's climb up here and stab the shit out of them. There, was there's looking.
1: a prequel movie to be made about those guys. Like, yeah. just like, oh, did you go through this before? How do you know so much? You yeah, know, there is. Yeah,
3: well, they read comics, but they, but there is. Yeah. There is still fun with them being in way over their heads and screaming like, you know, children when they're, you know, uh, when they sit the guy in the bathtub and yeah. they're freaking out that it happened, and obviously, the plan of just stabbing them was they assumed would be good. And it is clearly not. And then they just start running, you know, like, yeah, oh, we didn't expect them to look there. They remember he says something about they scrambled our brains. They looked and they looked at us and talked. Um, <laughs> yeah, the- I mean,
2: they're, they're so they're fun, but I also was shocked that they just like, well, I'm going to drive a stake through this thing that looks like a person, <laughs> you know, and just not care. And, uh, it's uh, Alex to me, winter
0: who dies really yeah. horrifyingly. I must add. Yeah. Yes. every Everybody in the final scene dies horribly.
1: And <laughs> and I think that's part of the fun of the horror aspects of this movie too.
2: The, you know, there's so little explained about those kids. We just take them on, on their word that they just know shit. You know, like yeah. you said, they read comics, I guess, and they've been around. Uh, and there's the, 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 over and over this movie just doesn't care to explain things to you. It just, there's, <laughs> there's really no reason that Kiefer decides to turn Jason Patrick. There's really no, the yeah. movie doesn't. That was a little, really little disappointing.
0: To, I have to say,
1: well, I mean, yeah. look, have, you, have you seen Jason Patrick in this movie? Like he's uh, a <laughs> beautiful,
2: like he want to like, add gonna,
1: him to his collection. Come he's on, gonna come
2: in. <laughs> his girlfriend is going to be into this other guy. And instead yeah. of murdering the guy, which you could easily do and is <laughs> exactly what you need to live. <laughs> you decide to turn him into one of you, I guess. No, I think
3: the, I think the, I thought that the plan was because, um, the head vampire for getting his name, uh, Max. yeah. Once, wants, wants them to all be one big, happy vampire family. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and his children family. Okay. Well, yeah. that brings me to the <laughs> chief thing that I do not understand
2: that this movie just uh, chooses to have you accept, which is, they do this wonderful scene at at the dinner date mm, where we I know where this is going. Yep, where we are proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that Edward Herman cannot <laughs> be a vampire. Yeah, because all the things that happen to vampires, he doesn't affect him. And you go, he, oh, it's a wonderful. It's yeah. a wonder. It's the. It's a wonderful twist on this this classic trope of the say mom. Having a terrible meal with the new new guy—it's it—it mm-hmm. all plays so wonderfully, and you get oh well, yeah, these kids are clearly wrong about this guy. There's got to be some other twist going on, and then the movie just goes, "Nope."
0: No. Well, he, <laughs> he explains, explains it. Oh, he does
3: explain it at the end. Yeah, yeah. this is my you give up
1: your power when you this... invite them in. Like that's interesting.
3: Yeah, it, the movie yeah. hangs a real, real thick lantern because yes. because <laughs> yes. you're not not that lanterns are thick and I'm definitely mixing <laughs> metaphors, but it, it's so. I mean, this is to me the genius of the movie. I was like, I mean, I loved it as a kid, but even revisiting it, it's it's oh my god! Like a him him making a real stank, putting real stank on. I'm only gonna enter as long as you invite me in, and in the moment we're going. he's
2: that's a, a freaking that's a vampire thing.
3: That's yeah, a vampire exactly. Thing. So we're we're we're, it's so great because the movie is allowing the viewer to feel like they are ahead of the twist. Oh, we know. Oh my God, it's gonna be the guy. We're so good, and then that scene happens, and you go, "Wait, oh, it's not. How can it? He it definitely definitely is not that guy. That's crazy. But then they don't they don't earn the way back. The way back is he says. You did the one thing you're not supposed to do, which is odd, which were as you which, go, which that's right. Okay. You can't. But the one thing I totally love the one thing you're not supposed to do is invite
2: the <laughs> vampire in. But the mm-hmm. one, but that doesn't magically give him a reflection in a mirror, like that. To, to to have it be, you once you invite me in, I can be seen in a mirror. Uh, garlic doesn't affect me.
3: All all those th- like, that is a big leap. Well, you're actually leap. not even. You're cruising over the actual flaw that I don't want to admit, but I I'm willing to believe this movie establishing those rules. I mean, it also establishes that you're a half vampire and you can only be he's you the know go back of if, the vampires. He's the chief vampire. What? But that's a, kill that's, him. That's this you, movie's canon. That's not he's every the movie. most vampire, right? right? Right. You kill him, all the other vampires change back. Right. And, the movie is establishing that as a rule. That is not a every vampire movie rule that is this movie's rule so this right. movie's also establishing that once a vampire is invited in you lose your power over, it loses its thing he God. says he has a I line think about it it's
2: a pretty it. big stretch to say okay movie <laughs> you've you've established that Jason Patrick had to be invited in too and he lost his, his reflection in the mirror
0: well, he, that's he, his house,
2: though. That's right? his house. Yeah. But, no, the, the real, the real but Corey thought, Haim invited yeah. him in. I was watching that whole scene going, well, he has to get invited. That's why he's like outside the window. He's like, let me in, let me in. And Corey Haim eventually invites him in.
3: Well, that's an interesting interpretation. Yeah, of I that did not interpret scene. it that way. Yeah. That that actually, but it's interesting because that he's he's in his home already. And then he flies out the window. Right. Yep. My, yep. I always thought because, oh, my God, uncontrollable flight that is – Yes. Part of his body. But yep. now, Jeff, you just made me feel like is the scene, is it because his house is forcing him outside because Ooh. he can't come back in again until he's, that sounds weird as I say it out loud. I don't think that's it.
2: Dude, I, mean, I, I, I know that everybody hates it when I suggest better ways, <laughs> go on, but uh, I couldn't help but think that there's so many missed opportunities of really wonderful setups and payoffs or the way things could have gone. I'll d- I'll just mention two really quickly, if you'll indulge me. Uh, the first is that scene where Corey Haim realizes his brother is a vampire. It p- it plays so abruptly, and he buys it so completely, so fast. Yeah. When you could have had, you could it could have been so cool. Where the, like the dog the dog attacking him is great, but then all he just switches immediately and goes, "You're hey you're a vampire. Look, you you have no uh you have no." Reflection, it, the movie seems to set up this moment where he's reading the comic book about the things that make somebody a vampire yeah. and looks looking up at his brother and seeing the same shit that he's reading in a book. Like, have, give me that scene where he's, like, reading about <laughs> a vampire, you know, doesn't have a reflection in a mirror. And he looks up and his brother it, walks by the mirror with no reflection. And then he looks back down and, you know, a vampire does this or that. And his brother does – like. Well, that, that is kind of there. Yeah. That
3: is sort of there with the dogs that like he's reading about the the Such a, power it's just a leap to go oh there's okay. hell dogs and then this guy
2: also <laughs> owns a dog. You know it's like okay, I don't know. It just feels clumsy. The the, the <laughs> second one that I'll say is you have the grandpa going to visit the widow Johnson through the whole movie, which is a complete throwaway nonsense. It's just to get a little bit of like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, old guy getting some jokes. Instead of what you could have been doing the whole movie is setting up the fact that he's going over to the widow Johnson's to build a fence. Like the whole movie, he's gotta get wood to build a fence and he's gotta do the the, the stakes that are on his car just
3: show up at the end. Instead of well, like
2: it being this cool thing of like, oh my God, let's stay. He was d- doing, it. it's it's like a, you it's did, a missed opportunity.
3: you did, There is a clear moment where he's building a fence around his own home nowhere. with giant so, stakes sticking he's up. He's all
2: of a sudden <laughs> yeah. building giant stakes. He could have, like the whole movie could have been setting up to that. Instead of just like the last 20 minutes, oh, he's grandpa's now building giant stakes in the yard for some reason, instead of like, we, the whole point of the widow Johnson is to get him off stage, is to like get him to another place. So he's not involved in what's going on at the house. And you could have used that for two purposes. You could have used that to set seeds of his eventual return with the fucking awesome stakes instead of just being like, oh, now he's
3: got stakes. <laughs> well, I feel like what you say, what you're saying is sort of how I feel it exists. Um, not but I even with the Corey thing, like yeah, that that his he buys it so quick, but it's quick by a scene, not by a by twenty minutes. But but I, but I just want to say, Jeff, the thing you're cruising over with the argument of, like once again, I love that it, it, this movie is establishing a, a rule for itself, which is once you invite a vampire and whatever. The problem for me, and maybe someone, maybe I'm overlooking something, mm-hmm. but I think, and it may even be why subconsciously you're feeling it, Jeff is the finale. Right. I could believe that they all can enter because they invited that head vampire and these are his minions. Mm. But then garlic and holy water and all those things shouldn't garlic work. Garlic didn't that. work. The garlic didn't. The garlic didn't but the water
0: did. Yes. Basically. The water did. Yeah. By the
3: way,
1: great great scene of them just like you know, no dialogue, just going to church. Filling up all their bottles. That. There's,
2: there's there's yeah, there's, yeah so great scene. Yeah. The, 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 the other exactly. thing that kind of bothers me about the end is the um the the final battle between Jason Patrick and Kiefer Sutherland, or I guess I guess is between Jason Patrick and Edward Herman is um is like I'm gonna try to push you into the antlers. No, I'm gonna stop you by holding onto the door jam. All right, I'm gonna push you into the antlers. What changes? I just wanted it more? Like there's nothing that sequence. I felt like missed a beat of what allowed Jason Patrick to do it when the other guy couldn't. You
3: mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Well, he's like, using the other guy's strength against himself as opposed to having to use his own strength to do it.
1: Vampire Judo.
3: He's also Vampire got a great yeah. line. Isn't it he just, a great I'm trying to remember what the yeah. line is.
2: It just felt like it could have been... It, it was, oh, I tried to do this. Ah, oh, I prevented it. No, I'm going to try to do this. And you didn't prevent it. It It just felt like there could have been some, yeah. some way to have gone over the top
3: you know it like wasn't fulfilling a it wasn't paying off something that was set up in act One. Right. we go oh he's using the thing now <laughs> the <laughs> only right. thing i'll say is he is holding in trying to prevent himself from being a vampire the whole time and finally he ex- accepts the you know burden of it and then uses it to not to succumb to it but to fight back against he goes
1: the, full dark angel basically yeah. <laughs> um not the Dark Angel, of the show Angel from Buffy. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say. Out, I was gonna say Shout well, out to Jessica Edward Alda. Herman, by the way, in this movie, who yeah. I love, an he's actor always I love. good. Always yeah, good. grandfather from the Gilmore Girls, like he's so good, and uh, he has so much fun in this movie. I think.
3: The uh, scene that really haunted me as a kid, that still I I kind of got uh, why was the um, the tree where they're where they're in the trees. Mm -hmm. and the the real the real assault the first real like full-on vamp assault and yeah at the bonfire to the back of the guy's head they're like ripping off a scalp oh my gosh that's so upsetting (laughs) it's really it's kind of reminds me of um event horizons sequence like that um it's wait event horizon is that right yeah Yeah, that's right Mm -hmm. um it's so gory and and the combination of that kind of terror um and amidst everything else just starts to make it all feel like oh crap it it's going yeah. down you know it, it, it creates real fear really
1: quickly at that point and I love that like this is why it's rated R, right?
3: Yeah. Jeff yeah. did you remember I think the reason why this movie came up as much as it did is because anytime the the earworm for me they'll like mostly they mostly come at night mostly for this movie is Maggot's Michael. You're eating oh, maggots. yeah
1: so good. Did Honestly. That stick
3: out to you, Jeff? Or yes, yes, yes,
2: yes. A hundred percent. I think I've actually seen that clip before. Like okay. as, as as much as I've never seen this movie, I think, I think even as a kid, there was kids talking about the maggot scene. Like the maggot scene okay. as a kid is everything you're afraid of, right? Because yes. you have <laughs> you have this weird thing about food as a kid anyway, you know, <laughs> and you have a thing about bugs as a kid, and the idea <laughs> that but that watching that scene, it's, it's so weird. He's, it's it's just like, Hey, have some rice. Have some bare white rice. Yeah. Yeah. One one billion
0: Chinese can't be wrong.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Have some rice, Michael. Don't be, be cool. Have rice like all the rest of us. And then he has some, he's like, why are you eating maggots, Michael? And he spits it out and he's like, what's wrong, Michael. Those were just, it was just rice. It's, it's such a weird, like it's such a poorly executed, uh, zinger, you know, it's like a poorly, a bad, uh, punk, you know, yeah. it's like, it's like-
1: Weird Bowie from Labyrinth energy a little yeah. too. Like there, there's a lot going on. They there. They actually
0: uh par- satirize that exact scene a scene in what we do in the shadows. If anyone's yep. seen that movie, oh. where they're oh. eating the spaghetti, and he's like, you know, why are you eating worms? And it's actually, it actually fits in much better in that uh, that movie, <laughs> in my opinion. That movie slash TV show because it's just so silly what is happening. So
3: that by the way, this zone, this is where the love scene happens, and I think that is a perfect. <laughs> yep. The soundtrack. of, yeah. at the time, a super style, like, wow, cool. That, like, dissolves as they're you know. Um, <laughs> and totally, you don't blink. Like, yeah, oh, fine, we're getting to the scene that is in every movie that I go to see at the theater where there's a love scene, um, a love montage. But today, it's like, what is, what, it's so weird. <laughs> um, and way too quick for them to get to that, like, not the right time. So um, speaking
0: of things that, really kind of blew my mind. Uh I think in... I guess it's like Diane Weist's old bedroom, right? Is where Corey is sleeping in, right? On the closet wall is a poster of what I believe uh, is Rob Lowe. It's definitely yes, the Rob Lowe. thing in the movie. Yeah. Who yeah. looks exactly the same today. And it
3: just is like... <laughs> wh- it just is... <laughs> Wait, Dave. mind That the most mysterious, vampire. The most yeah. mysterious thing in the world is why he has... A poster of Rob Lowe on his wall.
1: Yeah. Oh no, it when doesn't hold up. I mean, you just blew
3: what? my mind that it's because it's her old room. Yes, it's but it's her old no. room. I think. No, but she's not. She's yeah. older. That would be yeah. Rob Lowe ago. was on his wall because it's eighty-seven. Not. Yeah. not oh yeah. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Come
0: but on, that's uh, guys. What I'm saying is that's what Rob Lowe looked like in 1965. No. <laughs> yeah. it's <laughs> also what he looks like today.
2: Yeah. Rob Lowe is a vampire. We know this. Yeah.
0: All right. So, so, gents, I got to ask you. I mean, first of all, uh, let's talk about the, the the last line. I guess, Dan, what is your assessment of what the grandfather knew about the vampire? Like, he he, I guess he always knew about the vampires, and did he? Yeah, did well, not. What warn is the grandfather's family? story? Basically, like, is he is, when he's coming in at the end? Does he he knows there's a vampire attack going on in his house, so he loads his car up with stakes and <laughs> drive? Like, first what is all, happening?
3: What is I happening? I really don't want to. <laughs> Look too deep at it.
0: Um, <laughs> I want to enjoy much. it.
3: Okay. Um, fair enough. And that's certainly how it's meant to feel. It's a great kicker. But I if I have to look deeply, if you force me to, uh yeah, I think that he's over it. He's he's like, I hate he as he said, I, one thing you can say about this town, all the damn vampires. Um and his kids, his his grandkids are like forcing him to have to friggin' oh god, I guess I have to do something about yeah. it, and he does it casually. And then you know the one thing that's really weird about that last moment that always threw me for loop as a kid, and my wife was kind of watching over my shoulder, and I could feel her get being confused too. Was that it? <laughs> you kind because of the tone of that last moment because it's 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 leading you towards something that you feel, and because he takes a drink. Of that yeah, right dark liquid, you feel like the end reveal is gonna be he's well, oh, also yeah. the,
2: it does the movie does so much work establishing the fact that you don't touch the second shelf of food. Mm-hmm. And then he goes right. to like the movie, there's a whole scene that it seems like a big setup for something. Don't touch the second shelf. This right. is the, only the things that I eat are on the second <laughs> shelf, and then he goes to the fucking second shelf at the end of the movie. <laughs> And drink something, and the movie's like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, he says,
0: <laughs> okay, he says it says root beers, Jeff. And yeah. I, presumably, yeah. he's drinking a root beer at the end. So yeah. come on, Jeff.
2: That's definitely on. a huge payoff, Dave. Yeah. Here,
0: here's what I was upset wasn't paid off uh, was the fact that he gives young Corey a hard time about uh, the TV guides. He says, hey, make sure okay. you're going to be tempted to remove the sticker, but it's going to rip the cover of the TV guide. That's going to really irritate me. I'm like, I think it, that was just
2: to establish his eccentricities. Yeah. You
0: know? uh, well, I, I would argue it's not eccentric at all to not want your TV guide to be ripped. I mean, that <laughs> was like normal. straight truth. That yes, was that's like, what I'm saying. I yes. Totally remember that. Yeah. Very rational. Very rational.
2: Okay. That was just Joel Schumacher saying. <laughs> you know one yeah. of his pet peeves in a, in his movie you know that
0: was his anti-motion smoothing psa yeah. <laughs> it's like hey remember when we had tv guides because we needed info like we needed a book literally oh. a book every week to tell us what was actually on tv and then remember when we have video stores, the good old days dude.
2: you guys we f- haven't mentioned the best line of the entire movie what's that uh, uh michael there's no tv you know what
3: that means there's no
0: MTV. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was great.
0: So, in okay. terms of in terms of weird reactions that people had, I, I do think the one other thing I want to bring up, and then I want to ask you guys about the sequels. But the one other thing I want to bring up is that it just so, something that you know. There's just a new Dracula on Netflix, right? Uh, uh, Which is great. Oh yes. yeah, yes. you guys talked about it. I didn't. They I didn't care, all hated it. I loved it. I didn't care for it. I didn't care I, I for it. I think it's but, half
1: good, half half bad.
0: Yeah, uh, but one yeah. of the cool ideas that that Dracula brings to life really well, I think, is the idea of of if you have lived for hundreds of years, like what would that do to you? Like, how would you perceive the value of human life mm. if you had lived if you had seen generations of people just come and go? And mm. um, and that was kind of clanging around in my head when uh Corey Feldman plunges a stake into Alex Winter's heart and Alex Winter melts, <laughs> and I'm just like. I, I just thought to myself, man, how many adventures have all these guys been through together? You know, uh, have they known each other for like five hundred years or like three thousand years? You know, how long have they been together? And then one of them just straight up dies. There's very little mourning for them, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I, because you know, can you imagine like being with these people who you roam around murdering beachgoers with? So much hello, so hello
1: Doctor Sleep. Like that is the entire
0: doctor right. sleep. Right, it's like, the very doctor sleep, people. and it's like, yeah. and the, when people died in doctor sleep, you, they you really felt each death. It's like, yeah. wow, I have yeah. been on freaking, I have seen millennia happen with you, and then now yeah. you're, empires and, rise, yeah, fall. empires and have also, risen and fallen. Yeah. yeah,
2: I expected that to last forever. We were going to live
0: yes forever, and now this kid you know is who caused you to die i wish there had been a little bit more of a reaction to that you know kiefer mentions it at the end he says you know you killed my friend and now but it's like they don't even pause for a moment to like mourn this person's death who presumably they've been adventuring with for a really long time um anyway just wanted to express that a they can bit. actually
3: go back to bed um
0: yeah, they just go back to sleep, I guess. <laughs> um, so, have you guys seen any of the uh, sequels to this movie? No, I to ask you not. no, nothing. No. Have you? No, no. But I'm just curious because this is, as you said, such a cultural touchstone. Um, but we, those were
3: not real. That's yeah. they're like those, those sequels don't exist. They're the equivalent of um, like they're made sequel to. Uh, it's oh my God. Game. War games, you know, the Omega Code or something. You know, they're, they're, they're just what we used to say at the time, straight to video sequel. They're not. But I oh, think Corey Feldman might so be. many. You guys, there's so many. many of them. How many? Heard. I thought there were only like two. There's only two. Lost I think. Boys, the Thirst,
2: Lost Boys, <laughs> the Tribe. Uh, it's weird. It's
1: weird. There's a sequel for Inside Man that is out there right what? now. Yes! Yeah. There's yeah. a sequel to Spike Lee's Inside Man. That you can go rent and or purchase digitally right now. So these things are weird.
3: It's just happening all
1: the time. in them? Yeah, Yeah.
3: right. But it's not (laughs) like continued adventures of the Frog Brothers, right? Yeah, that's the only thing. That's what they had to bring back. I mean, I don't. You know, I've not seen. Maybe they're awesome. I haven't seen them, but it didn't feel like it was um, authentically made. Right. I I, I wanted to
0: ask you this question though, Dan. Is watching this movie everything feels super dated? right? Uh, it's very much of its time. And it's actually valuable because of that reason, because it's it's preserving this entire aesthetic of this time period in this movie. And I guess I was wondering, you are a filmmaker. And I'm curious, like as you're making things, uh, when you're thinking through the costuming and the production design and such, is that ever a concern to you about how dated things are going to be like do you do try i feel like there's two extremes one is to make things so that they will age extremely well and one is to to make things so that they are very much of their time so that you're you're preserving the style and aesthetic of a specific time like do you think in those terms at all when you're when you're making things uh, at any stage of the production process
3: 100% that stuff comes up but usually it's just resisting there'll be things lines of dialogue that will feel if you if you have a character say something about emojis or texting or sexting or what you know like yeah that's a thing that is just not even though it feels like this is on all of our minds right now it's me so funny to have this character <laughs> say this thing that feels like it's ah we all we, we're all gonna get it that's exactly the kind of thing that is just not gonna hold up um, I was wondering why thing, you
0: why you had Mary Elizabeth Winstead say that thing is so radical and tubular uh, in the <laughs> movie,
3: but the, you know, weird decision. The same goes for visuals. I, the thing I've may or may not have said on the show before. I, I say it. I say it quite a bit in conversations with friends. Is that the difference between Ridley and Tony Scott is that Ridley Scott is way ahead of his time. And all of his movies, almost all of his movies, yeah. you could release today, yep. and save one or two tiny things. You would think they were just made today. They are amazing. Yeah, Tony Scott of his time, of yep. every time, right? The most eighties filmmaker that ever eighties, the most nineties filmmaker that ever nineties, and the most two thousand early two thousands. You know, in the eighties, it was the you know heavy color saturation and. Um and smoked out frames and uh and flash frames and the 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 cutting that you the editing that you see especially in like the Top Gun uh once again the volleyball scene being the pinnacle of that um and then uh the '90s like Enemy of the State and yeah um and the Hans Zimmer score and all you know and then the '2000s with with uh the the subtitling the Manifier and domino, the aesthetic that was in hyper editorial, editorialized, like it, it's, it was so cool to see, wow, no movie functions this way, the minute that it comes out. And then like one year later, it's like, whoa, that looks so old. That's so nineties or whatever it is, you know? Um, so, but those things are so tempting because in the moment it feels so new and exciting, but it's one of the, one of the aspects, one of the parts of the Spielberg thing and Zemeckis and all those guys is those guys were real, are classical filmmakers. Hmm. Um, they don't often um, aside from, I mentioned Zemeckis and of course I know aside from the motion capture right. animated stuff. Um, but filmmaking wise, they're not doing even, even, uh, even Spielberg was saving private Ryan, the uh, skinny shutter like that influenced the, mm-hmm. um, so many movies going forward to do that and Tony Scott and even really did in Hannibal, which is, you know, sticks out a little bit in his filmography. Um, For him, when Spielberg did it, it was to perfectly capture um, the filmmaking from, or that we would see in watching old, newsreel footage of war at that time and what is for a very specific reason he never did it again you know but every other filmmaker then used it as a gimmick that wasn't for the same reason it was to accomplish something else
0: Gladi- uh, Ridley Scott's um, Gladiator too out Yeah that.
3: I was going to say Gladiator yeah. too which is I was, yeah so there's once again there's exceptions to his timelessness or to his ahead of its time right um but in general you know
0: yeah yeah
3: most of his uh most of his work um holds up whatever decade you're going to decide to watch it in
0: Yeah indeed Well, uh, uh, this is definitely a movie that's of its time, but it is an interesting one to watch today. And I think there's, you know, as you pointed out, Dan, this is a movie that has stood the test of time, not necessarily in terms of style, but Mm -hmm. in the sense that people still talk about it and it's very revered today. You know, I mean, this (laughs) interview with Sax Guy that Jermaine did, this is like a month ago, um, and people still think about this movie they still talk oh, you have about the this USA movie say
1: sax guy
3: from well, lost boy wait speaking India. of sax guy there's one thing we didn't touch upon <laughs> uh-huh which is the soundtrack i'm so curious to hear jeff's impression of it because <laughs> that's one of the reasons of why i loved it as a kid is i that that main theme song oh yeah i was like it was like my favorite song and I was so interesting <laughs> compared with the imagery that it was set against it also is one of my favorite pieces of score that is unreleased like i've, I've always been trying to track it down that um Thomas Newman did the soundtrack doesn't include it includes some weird thing he did. It doesn't include like the main, um, the fun music when they're going to decide to go kill them in the end and all that. So, um, but the soundtrack was a big deal and that going to bunny men doing people are strange. Yeah. What is so it? yeah,
2: it's good. It's really good. Yeah. And that, and as you said, that sort of uh, main theme refrain that keeps popping in cops in like at least three times in the movie yes, yes. that is, uh, I can't remember the line, but it's like, it's very haunting in its own way of. Thou shall not kill. Yeah, right. Thou shall not kill. All that stuff. So cool. At least
0: four times, I believe.
2: Yeah. It really it's, hammered it home. It's, I, I don't know. I, I found it effective. It, it's, cool. It's a it's such a neat tone because it's it's got this celebratory feel to it. It's like it's an anthem, but it's also
3: haunting yeah. and melancholy. Uh, yeah. 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 It's, it's really good. Yeah. I would but actually I'm glad say you that. Pointed out. I would say, I'm glad that's you know, awesome that you felt that way. That, that heartens me. And, and I, I would point out that's sort of a precursor to, um, well, lots of movies do this, but, uh, certainly Jordan Peele with both get out and us uses, um, I, a, not pop culture song, but a, a song, not a piece of score, but a song that has a real dense tone to it um, that overshadows and both, I think, are used in the opening credits. At least I know Get Out's one is. Um, but uh, really creates atmosphere, not just through score, but through a, a, the choice of, of music. Yeah,
2: I, I, I want to even underscore that I think it's the perfect word to use, atmosphere, because... That like choral mm-hmm. singing, of, Thou not, it, it actually fills out the world in a really interesting way for yeah. me. I, I, I think that is part of what I was talking about with feeling like everyone at that saxman concert is a vampire. Cause it feels like, you know, this, this feeling, we are legion, you know, that there's everybody is chanting this refrain that is uh, about being a vampire and it just feels like the word it, it enlarges the world just in one simple bit of music it's it was really effective and I'm, I'm glad you uh, brought mm. it up
0: all right well i think we can wrap it up there those are our thoughts on the lost boys uh you can find more episodes of this podcast at slash com. email us at slash filmcast at com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Hillinger. Our theme song comes from com. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, Dan Trachtenberg, thanks so much for joining us today, man. Really appreciate it. Where can people find more of your stuff on the internet? Thanks
3: for having me, dude. Uh, I, well, i Twitter, Danny TRS, um, but, <clears throat> Uh, I mean, Black <laughs> Mirror on Netflix. <laughs> I did an episode called Playtest from I, mean, I think it's the third season, and The Boys is on Amazon, and I did the pi- I did the first episode of that show, The Boys, which will be back soon for season two. Um, did you see Charlie, Charlie
0: Brooker's comments about Black Mirror recently?
3: No, what he, he say? He
0: said um, uh, it's too depressing to do more. It's of too them. depressing to write more Black Mirror. <laughs> I, right I now. don't blame him. Yeah.
3: yeah, I think they were in the middle of they were in the middle of, of shooting her post on post on the season of them, I think. But um, yeah, I agree with him. Uh, <laughs> he's oh man. That guy. It's the scary. His predictions have, Oh, not just on the show, but even we were, it was Brexit and election when right. I was working with him. And he said a lot of things that I laughed off and ignored and was like, Oh, you're just, this is, you're just, Nihilist. This is just you, um, and they've come true, and so it's very frightening whenever he has a feeling. I'm, I was ter- I'm terrified to ask him his feelings. Stop on saying
1: enough. things, Charlie Brooker. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Also, what has come true is, uh, right now everyone here is part of a terrible simulated video game. That's that's your thing, I think, actually, Dan. Uh
3: huh. <laughs> Okay, um, anyway, <laughs> I wish it were um, just a video <laughs> game. Uh, yeah. So anyway, th- well, thanks for having me, guys.
0: Yeah, uh, really Always appreciate
3: fun. it. Uh, Jeff Canada, where can people find
0: more of your work?
2: Well, I'm doing lots of other stuff, actually. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two n's and one t. I have a video game podcast called DLC. You can find that at five by five slash DLC or wherever you get podcasts. Uh, I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, award winning. We stopped doing it for two years, and now we're back. Uh, You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com or wherever you get podcasts as well. And I also do The Dungeon Run, which is a long-form Dungeons & Dragons show. Um, It's basically just a big, long, epic tale of adventure. And, man, last week's episode, uh, many people said it's their favorite one ever. Uh, You can jump onto any of them. It's so fun. I'm so proud of it please check out The Dungeon Run. You can watch it on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run there or as an audio podcast by searching for The Dungeon Run. Or you can watch us live as we record on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run.
1: How about you, Davindra? Or you can find me on Twitter at at Davindra. I write about tech at Engadget.com. And I'm also doing the Engadget podcast. Check that out. Um, I'm in the middle of reviewing all the new Surface devices, kind of back to back to back. So check me out talking about that with Alex Kranz from Gizmodo.
0: And check out the other podcast I do. It's called Culturally Relevant. You can find it at culturallyrelevantshow.com or wherever your podcasts can be downloaded. We've got some great authors and writers and directors coming up in the near future so again it's culturally relevant uh next week we are continuing this trend of each of us selecting an older film and forcing the others to watch it maybe forcing themselves to watch it davindra is going to be choosing the movie for next week davindra what is that movie it's going to be juzo itami's tampopo
1: this movie is perfect. I love it. So I cannot wait to talk about it with everybody. It's on Criterion Channel streaming. Just go buy the Criterion Blu-ray. Uh, watch it before next week.
0: All right, Tempopo. I've heard it is delightful. I've heard it's amazing. I can't wait to check it out. Um, but yeah, you should check it out. Uh, Dan Trachtenberg, I wanted to ask you, do you subscribe to Criterion Channel? It seems like something you'd be into.
3: Yeah, I don't. Um, it would be something I'm into, but Marty, I'm, I, I, I'm not... <laughs> there's just it's too many things to <laughs> watch
1: well, I'll, yeah i won't hear our excuses dan come
3: on yeah i just it's <laughs> impossible there's so many things already available to me and right and yeah. all the i can't it, like the idea <laughs> is that you know this movie came up um wait did you say the lost boys is on criterion channel
0: no no no, no. Not Popo.
3: what did you say to me was on criterion channel Next uh, week's Tom movie, Popo. Tom Popo. I Popo. know. Yeah. Was that what you were referring to? In the, maybe that. Yeah. Now I'm realizing that's weird. <laughs> Plus, was on Criterion Channel. Um, <laughs> I, mean, it a, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, should be. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but um, I what is it a subscription thing? What's the deal with it?
0: Yes, you pay like ten dollars a month or a hundred dollars a year. Um, it's, just, it's, you know, it's totally it's
3: weird it. when you have yeah. to seek out one movie to see, and you go, "Oh, I'm gonna have to pay for this movie," because. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of having, when you have one thing that you must see and you have to seek it out, there's so many things that I know I need to watch, whether they be a new release that I had not gotten around to, whether it's, oh, my God, I love that movie. It's been forever since I've seen it. I want to see that. That's on the list versus, oh, here's a thing from back in the day that I never saw that I should see. Like. There's so many of those things on on every – I go yeah. to Netflix, I have a list. I, I'm on Amazon, I got a list. I got HBO streaming, and I'm on – there's a bunch there, I'm like, and they're going to leave the service soon. So, you know, I never need to, like – I don't think I feel like I don't need a new one of those. Criterion channel would create such a list for me. Um I agree. It can be the, it can be stressful. It
0: can be stressful because yeah. you're you're basically you're paying money for this thing and then yeah. you need to use it, right? So otherwise you feel like you're wasting the money and then it's like, well and with Criterion especially, there's so many amazing movies on there. So
1: yeah. the one the one nice thing is that they have a lot of editorial yeah. like that's control nice. so they like recommend things they double build things they give you reasons why hey maybe check this out this week because it's very this curated then it's very yeah, curated. but i don't
3: need that's the last <laughs> thing i need is something to recommend i have my own overwhelming you know self-imposed list of, th- of Dan things Dan already has to too to many you. neuroses to he already has a lot else. of yeah Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, he's getting
2: recommendations from Charlie Booker. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, John Goodman's probably sharing some things with you.
3: Anyway, um, JJ Abrams Abrams is giving you the hookup. So, all that said, none of those things are happening, but yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All that said, uh, Tam Popo, it's the movie for next week. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it. Hope you enjoy revisiting it or seeing it for the first time if you're out there listening. Uh, That's going to do it for us today. We'll see you next week.